Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Closing on on a big weekend of football. The Cougars and the Aggies trying to go 4-0. and The Utes just trying to get back to 500, turn things around. The defense did seem to improve. After getting pushed around by BYU, they did a better job against San Diego State. Gave up 24 points in regulation, although seven were against special teams and seven were on the offense for the pick that got taken back inside the 10-yard line. Uh, Devin Lloyd, what does he think of where the team is and where it's headed? Here's Devin. You had said on Saturday they're going to have a team meeting. It made it sound like you were the one who organized it. How do you think it went? Um, I thought it went very well, actually. Um, you know, a lot of the older guys just kind of discuss, you know, you know, how we felt, you know, as far as how the season has gone so far, and you know what we want to get out of it. And so um, I thought it was very productive. What was the tone of the group coming out of that meeting? Do you think, Devin? Um, just a little more bought in by everybody. Um, you know, I think it showed today at practice as well. Did Charlie speak in that meeting? Um, he did not. Do you do you feel like there was a, a new energy coming out of that meeting too? You, you you know said that you know guys were more bought in, but do you feel like the energy was there too? Yeah, I definitely do. Um, and you know, I just think it just goes to show uh, you know, how much leadership we do have on this team and. Like I said, you know, it was just a buy-in from a lot of the young guys and um, guys whose role may not be as big, but still, you know, as valuable. For Charlie to leave kind of abruptly like that, did you guys get any kind of explanation or know what was going through his head? I personally uh, didn't hear anything, but um, I'm not sure about other guys on the team, but I, I didn't never get anything. You were here in 2019. The team had so much senior leadership. And this year, obviously, you don't have as much. Is that more of a challenge to make sure guys are focused and doing what they're doing? Well, we don't have as many seniors necessarily, but I'd say we have just as many, if not more, leaders. Um, you know, from guys that have been in the program three-plus years, um, you know, everybody has been in this program. There's a lot of guys that have been in this program for a long time, should I say, and um, those guys are stepping up as leaders. Um, and, you know, we saw it, you know, in the players' meeting and during practice and really all year, you know. You know. Is there still a belief among you guys that something big, something special can still happen? Oh, of course, of course. Our goal is not changed at all. And, you know, our goal is still very much in sight. And, um, you know, very, very, we're very capable of achieving that goal. Um, we haven't played the best ball. We haven't played anywhere near to our potential in the last couple of games. And, um, you know, that we plan on changing that. You know, that was, you know, why, you know, we were so urgent about the players meeting and really just getting everybody bought in and, you know, just getting back to the basics. Um, but we haven't played anywhere near our best ball, and we know that we can still attain our goal. What are your guys' thoughts on, on Max Borgie? Seems like a pretty good back who can kind of do it all. Yeah, yeah, he's a versatile back. Um, you know, he's got good size, good speed. You know, he's uh, very versatile. And so I think he's going to be used a lot in that offense. Uh, Washington State, they started to run the ball a little bit more, so I know he's going to get a little more touches. Um, so yeah, it's going to be an exciting challenge. Do you think that uh, with the start of conference season, it's automatically you have a fresh start? So with that in mind, is there a fresh attitude, a new attitude? Yeah, we're 0-0 right now. That's our mindset. Preseason didn't go how we wanted it, mm-hmm. but um, we're 0-0 right now. If you watch the Pac-12, particularly the South, last week was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't want to speak too much on the team. It's just, I mean, it's an open conference, you know I mean? We're one and two, you know, some teams didn't play the best they wanted to play either in the South. Um, so, you know, it's anybody, it's anybody, it's a 
open ball game. Mm-hmm. There's the youth star, Devin Lloyd. Now let's talk a little BYU football offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, as his Cougars get ready for South Florida. Hey, Aaron, just uh, start off by talking about getting ready for this weekend and the challenges that uh, South, South Florida presents. Um, they play a very unique scheme. It um, has some elements of uh, Rocky Long, San Diego State kind of stuff. Um, they're, it's a unique defense for sure. Um, they have a lot of team speed. And the last time we played these guys, they made us look really bad. I know it was, it was a different different program at the time, but um, we, we got to – it's a team that can make you look bad if you're not ready to play, the, just scheme-wise. How much does what happened before come into play? Because a lot of the guys remember and weren't happy with the performance a couple of years ago. How much does that come into play, even though it is a different team and, and different place right now? Yeah, it comes into play a lot. So we have um, a good number of our starters, the guys we're counting on, played in that game. You know, uh, James Empey, Clark Barrington, Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, uh, Neil and Gunner and Peeney, you know, Tyler Algier played in that game. There's a lot of guys played in that game and remember uh, how awful that felt. And, um, you know, you got to respect the game. You got to respect every opponent. And these guys are, they have our attention. They've played two very good teams in NC State and Florida State. And then they got a good win last week. So um, we'll be ready. Aaron, as you look forward here, can the performance that Jaron had the last time you played against USF translate over to anything in this game, in your opinion? Not really. I mean, other than just it was it was experience, uh, game experience that that part of it. But um, it's a different different defense, so not much there. But just the experience of playing it. You know, the more you play, the more it. It, uh, it adds up, and the game slows down, you know, as guys play more football. That, that's true at every position, but especially at QB. I'm not asking you to reveal your game plan, but it seems like each game you go in and at least in your playbook have some of the, what you call your specials, like your, your, your trick plays. Do you uh, specifically pick certain plays for certain opponents, or are those just things you just have in the playbook and pull them out when you need to? Um, they're mostly just, yeah, we have, a, we have a bunch of plays in our offense that we practice all the time and they're just ready to go whenever, whenever. And we, they're, they're regular plays in our offense. We don't really think of them as tricks and we, we practice them every week and, um, and, uh, you know, they're fun and a lot of times they score touchdowns. So we're going to, we'll keep, we'll keep having them ready every game. Matt and then Norma. Hey, Aaron, uh, Jaron, Jaron Hall mentioned at the end of uh, in the press conference at the end of last week that he would be practicing this week. Has he been has he been practicing this week? Kalani is the only one that'll talk about injuries, but um, yeah, he's out there. Uh, my, my other question regarding Jaron, Aaron, is through the first three weeks, um, what has impressed you the most about his play at that quarterback position and what? If anything, um, would you like to see him improve upon going forward? Um, well, 
he's taking good care of the ball. You know, the, he had one one bad decision last game. The, the you know the play that everyone's been talking about, where Tyler stripped the ball. That was a bad decision, and and uh, good news is that that was really uncharacteristic of how he's been playing. The other interception was just you know he took a shot at the end zone before the half. Um, I, I didn't manage that situation well enough for him, but he took a shot on a one-on-one matchup in the end zone, threw the ball down the field, and their guy made a play. I don't, I don't even, I don't even count that as a bad decision or anything. It's just unfortunate that they got the ball, but um, it didn't, uh, you know, it didn't stand out the way that the other mistake made. And the reason the other mistake stood out was just because he has not been making those mistakes. He's been taking really good care of the football, and so as long as he does that every game. Um, we're always going to have a chance. And then if he continues to take care of the ball, then, of course, we possess the ball more. And I think that as he plays more, you'll see him just get better and better in the passing game. And I think, uh, you know, our offense will, will grow as a unit, you know, and, and the, the, the points and that kind of stuff is going to come just with time. And so, but it starts with taking good care of the ball, and that's what he's done best. Um, pretty much all my questions have been asked, but what would you say um, Jaron has done these first three weeks to prove to fans that he was worthy of that QB one spot? Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't, I can't answer what the fans think, but uh, I just think that, uh, I mean, he, he's just been uh, like a f- good at taking care of the ball and he's been really gutsy as far as, uh, you know, he's made some big plays in key moments in all three games. And he finds a way to assert himself when we need it most. And, but he doesn't force it. He's been good about just picking his spots when it's time to go make a play. And then, you know, the rest of the time he's, he's trying to let the offense work for him and get the play, ball to his playmakers. And what would be the biggest growth that you've seen in him since um, he last played in 2019? Obviously, he took a, a year off, but we're going up against US, USF. Like, what's just the biggest difference in comparison to the 2019 game? Yeah, you can just tell that he's he's in he's in command now. You know, when he played those couple games a couple years ago, um, things were happening pretty fast for him. He still played well, but. Um, he didn't have nearly the command over the full scheme that he has now. You know, he's, he made a whole bunch of audibles in the Utah game. He made some really nice audibles last game where he's, he's changing the play, getting us into the right play, uh, doing things with pass protections that are pretty advanced and um, doing, doing a great job with that stuff. And a number of our good run plays in the last two games were just him getting us to the run play that gave us, gave us the best chance for success. Um, so, you know, some of those things are things he wasn't ready to do a couple of years ago and now he is. And so they don't really show up in his stats or maybe, uh, the fans might not notice that the, you know, whatever 10 yard run that Tyler Algier just got was because Jaron got us into the right play. And the play that I called was, was not as good into the, into the defense that they gave us. And so some of those things are kind of go unseen, but he's doing a great job. Okay, we'll do last two questions from Jared and then Jake. 
Aaron, I wanted to talk about points because the bottom line is you've scored more points than your opponents, but I know the goal of the offense is to score points every time you have the football. How do you, how do you get that ramped up? So, you know, the scoring is more regular. Um, just got to play better. And, you know, part of it's the defenses we've played against are good. Um, we didn't play anybody last year that was even close to the last two teams we played on defense. I mean, not even, no one was even in the same world as those two defenses. So it's tough. It's tough to score when you're playing Arizona State and Utah. And, uh, you know, so in the first game, there was a lot of unknowns as well. But, you know, we've been talking about that a lot. We can we can talk about how good the defenses are and make excuses, or we can just, you know, uh, be accountable to ourselves and each other and figure out how we can play better and play a little cleaner. And I think, I think uh, we've improved in every game, and I think you'll you'll see continued improvement. and And uh, the points will come with improved execution. And you know, I'm not panicked about it at all. I think we're I think we're right on track. And uh, considering who we've played, I'm I'm proud of where we stand right now. Aaron, I wanted to ask you about your running back room. Obviously, we've seen Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa take the vast majority of the reps, if not all of them, so far this year. Is there any concern for you that you need to have a third running back ready to go in case one of them, heaven forbid, does get injured? Yeah, we have we have a third running back ready to go. Jackson McChesney, he's a good player. Um, he's a, he's ready to roll. Um, Hinkley Rapati is also a good player. He's he's right there as well. And uh, just the situation hasn't called for it yet, but it's a long season, and there's a good chance we'll need one of those guys to be ready at some point, and and they will be. They're they're doing a great job in practice. Um, we've seen Jackson play in games before, and he's done well when he's gotten his opportunity and. Um, no hesitation at all to play either one of those guys. There's Aaron Roderick talking about USF and the Bulls Saturday night, 8-15. When we come back, B.J. Reigns covers the Boise State Broncos. They're in Logan to play Utah State Saturday morning, 10 a.m. on Channel 2, and we will talk with B.J. Reigns next. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Utes open up Pac-12 play as they welcome in Washington State for an early start. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 1030 with the postgame show immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference. Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by BJ Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-the-season sale on the irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial properties owned listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Good morning, BJ Reigns. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. What's going on? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for coming on again. Always a pleasure. 
So uh, I guess I'm just curious. I see the record one and two. That's not good, but a one-point game with Oklahoma State at home. The opener with UCF had the courage to go play on the road against a quality opponent. Lots of teams run from that because they're afraid they might lose. So are the Broncos really that good? Should I just ignore the record? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of their rallying cry this week as they get ready for conference play. Uh, hey, we're you know six points away from – uh, being three and L, so that's what they're trying to remember. And you know they should have won the UCF game. That was a, a pretty bad game, and, and they kind of were up 21 points and gave it away in the third quarter. And, and really, the you know Oklahoma State game. If you talk to fans and everybody else, I mean there was an incorrect whistle blown. Uh, Boise State had a scoop and score, and they blew the whistle while Boise State was returning for some reason. Uh, said he was down, but after reviewing the play, it was clearly a fumble. So they at least gave Boise State the ball. Um, but uh, didn't give them the touchdown they had. And then that was with like three minutes left in the game. And then Boise State missed the field goal. It got tipped, and they lost by one. So um, there is real, you know, if you're a diehard Boise State fan or whatever, you can easily make an argument they should be 3-0. and But with that said, they still have some significant problems, and um, they're really struggling to run the ball. They can't stop the run. Um, they have not been good at all in the second half uh, of games. And so, yeah, they could be 3-0, and but they – one and two, based on the problems they have, is probably about where they should be at this point. So I look at them offensively. Bachmeyer's been around for a while. We know what he can do. Shakur's a big-time receiver, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, very, very good. But uh, statistically, disappointed in their rush game. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, they're one of the worst rushing teams in the country right now. And a combination of things. I mean, George Shalani, their 1,000-yard back, uh, didn't play in the first game against Central Florida. They've had some offensive line injuries and having to shuffle some guys around, but um, for whatever reason, they've just been not been able to run the ball. Um, they, you know, they've got, um, I think Utah State has like four guys with more rushing yards than Boise State's leading rusher, and so um, yeah, it's been really bad. They just can't run the ball. They only have 20 yards rushing against Central Florida. They only have like 61 rushing yards uh, against Oklahoma State, and again, you're talking about a an Oregon transfer that they brought in that has, you know, 21 career touchdowns at Oregon in three years. And you're talking about a guy in George Halani that rushed for a thousand yards uh, as a true freshman two years ago. So they feel like they have the talent. It's just not coming together for them. And so um, there's, you know, they, they, they say they have um, identified some things to try to get it going. Um, but for whatever reason, it just has not worked. They've they run the new, you know, RPO stuff. So they say some of the plays would have been runs, but they end up being passes and they've got, you know, excuses for it all. But, um, it just hasn't it hasn't worked to this point, and it's really been uh, the the problem with the offense is when they need to run and get you know first downs and just kind of sustain some drives and keep the clock going. Especially in the second half, that Central Florida game, they just could not run the ball and kept having to get it back to Central Florida, and that's why they ended up losing the game. Two yards of carry is a staggeringly bad number, and I know quarterback one twenty seven out of one thirty. So. How much of it are you putting on the backs? How much of this is the O-line? Are there just no holes there? And is Utah State likely to dominate the line of scrimmage? Well, uh, it's a combination. Um, I, I, I think George Helani's a good running back. He had 1,000 yards, as I said, just two years ago, and they've been working him back. And he had only had five carries in his first game back two weeks ago. He had 12 carries last week. So I think he's going to be back to, to full strength uh, 100% with no kind of uh, limitations this game. And if they give George Helani 15-plus carries – you know, you know, over his career, that's meant he's going to run for 100 yards. So um, we'll, you know, see. We'll see what that looks like. Um, but they've had some injuries on the offensive line. They're still playing with their backup center. Their starting center has been out uh, all season with an injury. They had their uh, All Mountain West preseason first team right guard Jake Stetts went down in the Central Florida game, which they said was a big problem. 
and then he missed the uh, UTEP game. He came back last week, so they've had to shuffle some guys around. But the five they expected to have, you know, this year they still don't have, and so um, they they claim that's you know hopefully another week of practice with this group of five working together. Um, they think it'll be better. I mean, they you know they've got. Uh, two, their left tackle was pre, you know two of the five preseason All Mountain West linemen were, were Boise State, so you'd think the line would be good. So I think that they feel like it's just you know they say it's really close to clicking and it just hasn't. And the offensive coordinator was pretty adamant that we're going to run the football and it's going to click and it's going to happen soon. Um, and so we'll see if he's right this week. But you know we're 25 percent through the season and they are really struggling to run the ball. Even in the UTEP game, the only time they rushed the ball was in the fourth quarter with uh, two walk-ons. When the game was, you know, fifty-four to thirteen or whatever. So you look at their actual two games, and they're, you know, basically the worst team in the country running the football. Avalos being the first-year coach now, he's a former Boise guy, so he's familiar with everything there. How much has changed, if anything, in terms of philosophy from Harson to Avalos? Well, I mean, he's a defensive guy. He's the first, you know, head coach with a defensive background at Boise State in twenty-plus years. I mean, they had a string there with. Uh, Harson and then Peterson and Hawkins and even Dirk Cutter. I mean, you have to go back to like uh, Houston Nutt, I think, in like 1997, uh, where you had a, a defensive head coach come in. So, um, you know, it, it, uh, even before that. So, I mean, it's, it, uh, it's you know, that's been a little different, and that's why it's been so surprising that, you know, you guys are talking about running the football, but it's been just as bad, if not worse, uh, stopping the run uh, as well. They've been uh, horrible, giving up over 200 yards per game on the ground, uh, stopping the run, and They've had two of their worst uh, opponent rushing performances from non-triple option teams. Two, you know, two of the last four worst in the last like 11 years have been this season. And so um, that's been more of a surprise. The defensive guy comes in and hasn't been able to, um, you know, defensively uh, stop the run, and so, which traditionally they were really good at when he was the defensive coordinator here. But overall, not much has changed. I mean, he retained a couple coaches, brought in some new guys. And, um, I think it was a nice breath of fresh air. Everybody in Boise – Everybody outside the program, inside the program, everybody was you know very happy. And uh, you know Brian Harson did some good things, did a lot of things, but um, you know I think his message was uh, maybe starting to wear off a little bit. And I think a lot of people were excited about a fresh start with Andy Avalos. And he's come in and done a really good job. And um, you know, but sure enough, they're on Twitter after the last game. Uh, you already had fans calling for him <laughs> to be fired after three games. So I mean, that's just that's just the way it goes when you lose a game. Um, but uh, I think he's a good coach, and I think he's going to do a fine job. It's just. Uh, you know, this is what some people think maybe is the hardest schedule in Boise State history uh, from start to finish. And so there's there's not a lot of guaranteed wins on the schedule this year. And, and uh, he took, you know, a little bit of a rough time to have it be the hardest schedule for his first year. So what's the player's confidence level? I mean, do they, they – because Boise State is just – I mean, they walk out on the field like they're going to blow teams off the field. And then they often blow teams off the field. So when you don't do that and you got a new coaching staff and the voice is different, do you see, do you see a little wavering or no? No, not really. I mean, I think, like I said, they, they, they've been saying for two weeks or whatever, they know they blew the Central Florida game. or um, they, they know they should have won that game, and that was a road game against a, a pretty good opponent, and they, they feel like they were the better team in that game. So they had confidence that they were just as good as them, if not better, and gave the game away. And I think the same goes for Oklahoma State coming in. They, they feel like they uh, you know didn't score a point in the second half and, um, again, had a scoop and score that wasn't called, had a – um, you know, chance for a 36-yard field goal to win the game, and it didn't happen. So I think they feel like they're, you know, again, every bit as good as these teams. They just haven't – the ball hasn't bounced their way, and they've made a couple key mistakes and key times to lose the game. So, you know, their record is what it is, one and two, but they feel like that they very easily could be 3-0. and oh. And so I think they're trying to rally around that, have that confidence. And, and again, and, you know, 
really at Boise State, their goal is winning the Mountain West. I mean, it's, and I know they've had the New Year's Six bowl games and all that, but on the you know in the team room, their goal right up there on the wall it says to win the Mountain West Conference in a bowl game. Um, so they kind of reset when when they get into conference play, and they've won 19 straight games against Mountain Division teams. They haven't lost to a team in the Mountain Division since 2016. And so they just take care of their teams in their division, and they know that's going to get them into the championship, and that's kind of how they go about it. And so I think that um, this you know, conference play comes at a nice, nice you know, point here where they can kind of reset, put those first three games behind them, and start their new season of conference play. And um, you know, I think all of us have dreams of getting to that Jimmy Kimmel Bowl in L.A., and, and that's uh, still alive for them at this point. So you speak of the – Inability to stop the rush, which is somewhat surprising because they go into the defense uh, the end of the year returning, like, what, eight or nine starters, a couple of uh, all-conference linebackers. Uh, I would have thought maybe the pass defense would not necessarily be a weakness, but if I'm comparing it to stopping the run, I would have thought that that would have been a little weaker. You know, they lost pretty two pretty good corners last year in Williams and Walker. Uh, so I don't really understand what the problem is as far as stopping the run. Well, that's Boise State's trying has the same the same uh, feeling as you do trying to figure that out. I mean, you're right because they had two new starting corners this year. Um, they lost two All Mountain West corners from last year, and so if you had to pick one area, you would have probably picked the the pass defense and the secondary to be a little bit uh, more of a, a question mark. Um, they came in with a a lot of um, you know a lot of uh, you know, strength and hype on the defensive line. And they've had some injuries. You know, they have a starting D tackle, uh, Scaly Gahan, that, that took a leave of absence for personal reasons. Don't know if he's coming back or when or what happened there. They've got another, you know, rotation D lineman uh, tackle that's going to be out this game. So um, they're dealing with some injuries and things like that. But um, it's just a group that's underachieved. And, you know, Frank Miley, the former uh, Utah State coach, and uh, is, you know, the defensive line coach. And, and he took a lot of that blame this week on him and said it starts with me. These guys just – I haven't had him ready to play, and and so he, uh, you know, put a lot of that on his shoulders this week. That the D line just has to play better, and so I agree with you that it's, uh, you know, surprising and surprising to Boise State fans. And um, but they've been talking about it so much this week that um, I guess you know that they know because obviously Utah State can run the ball. It's going to be another challenge for them. But um, they've been just, you know, ingraining it in their head this week. Every interview, every comment is about that. So I, I would be kind of surprised if. They don't come out and make some improvements uh, on the rush defense and running the ball offensively this week. So what's been the reaction from uh, Boise State as far as all the news about the Mountain West and the AAC and CSU and Air Force? To a lesser degree, Boise State and San Diego State being linked to that, but apparently not not willing to go, waiting for the Big 12 to call. How is that all playing out there? Yeah, I think they're waiting for the Big 12 to call, and I think that they are expecting the Big 12 to call or hoping the Big 12 to call. They feel good about it, I think, in the next couple of years. I mean, I, I don't think it makes any sense for them to go down to a, a watered-down American Athletic Conference right now that doesn't have UCF or Cincinnati or Houston. I mean, that, that's a completely different conference without those teams. And so really doesn't, you really don't gain a whole lot with all the added travel that you would have to have, and not just for football, but for your you know women's volleyball team to have to go play East Carolina in a conference game and stuff like that. And, and so um, I think you take some of that travel concern if you're in the Big 12 because you're, the money is so much better that you're able to charter more flights and do things like that. But to, to put that burden on a you know for the a conference that really right now you could argue isn't even that much better at all if it is better at all than, than the Mountain West. I think this doesn't make any sense. And so um, I uh, I think they're you know they're probably 
listening at least to hear hear the offer and, and hear you know maybe maybe you know be able to sweet talk the Mountain West into you know something I don't know what what they're you know they have the, Boise State has the leverage right now Boise State is kind of the uh, you know the the team that's kind of holding the cards for what's going to happen with the AAC and the Mountain West really and so um, but I, I don't think it makes much sense I'd be shocked if they went to the American. Uh, unless the Americans somehow took a large number of Mountain West teams with them, I just don't see that happening. I think Boise State's going to wait it out. Um, you know, they were pretty disappointed they weren't included in the first round of the Big 12 expansion. You know, they mentioned football success being one of the main things. And, you know, other than BYU, you really could put Boise State's football, uh, you know, especially the last two decades, success up with any of those schools. And so um, I, I think that they feel like um, if there is another round, which they're confident there will be once Texas and Oklahoma leave, that they would be a strong fit. I think when I when I heard that BYU was going in for all sports and not just football, I immediately said Boise State will end up in the Big Twelve. You know, just my personal opinion because I think it makes too much sense. We talk about travel partners and things like that. It's, it'd be a lot easier for the West Virginia, you know, soccer team to come play BYU and Boise State on a road trip than have to come all that way just to play one game. So I think having a team close to BYU, a, a regional rival, um, I think that just makes a lot of sense. And so when Texas and Oklahoma decide to leave. Uh, Boise State and their fans and everybody are just you know, quietly sitting and waiting and hoping that they, they get a shot to, to get in the Big 12 at some point because they've proven themselves. Every conference they've been I mean, they've only been an FBS team since 1996. I mean, this is not some program that's been uh, doing this stuff for 50 years. I mean, they're fairly young Division Division One FBS conference, but every time they move up, whether it be uh, from the WAC to the Mountain West to, you know, whatever, I mean, they, they, they've proven that they can win at that level. And if you get Boise State the resources and the money and the recruiting budgets and things like that as a Big 12 team, I think they're pretty confident they'd be able to compete in that conference as well. So Utah State has really piled up the points, particularly last week, obviously, against the Air Force. They've got some big play capabilities with their wideouts and quarterbacks can move and all that stuff. Uh, Boise, with their inability to run the ball, and as I already talked about, they got a stud receiver, I think, who play in the NFL. Uh, so the thought for you is if it gets into a slugfest, a scoring type of thing, up and down, you think Boise right now has enough offense, if they need to, to put like 45-50 on the, on the scoreboard? Oh, I mean, I, I, I think so. We just haven't really seen it. I mean, we saw it in... Um you know, the Central Florida game, the first half, they were moving the ball up the field and had a couple of really nice touchdown drives, and they were looking, you know, 24 to 7. And they're like, man, this offense is, is, uh, is going to be great because we just heard so much about it. And then it just kind of went away in the second half. It came back, and we saw it. And we, we've seen it in spurts. They just haven't been able to put it together for four quarters. And that's been another big emphasis. You know, their third quarters have been awful this year. And I know it's, uh, you know, Utah State's been really, really good in the second half, too. Um, which is, you know, a concern for them because Boise State, I think, has got like 85 points in the first half and only 22 in the second half of three games. And I looked at Utah State's numbers, and they're almost the opposite. I think Utah State has 85 points in the second half. So um, it's certainly going to be something that they're focused on is finishing four quarters and finishing the game because both the games they've lost have been right there, and if they'd had one more touchdown drive, um, they could have done it. They had three three three-and-outs in the third quarter against Central Florida. Two three and outs, uh, you know, when they only ran six plays because uh, Oklahoma State took the, the clock and they went two three and outs in the third quarter against Oklahoma State. So that third quarter and um, putting some some offensive drives together and scoring some points, I think, will be a a big thing for them. But uh, defensively, they're just really, you know, they're giving a lot of praise to, to Utah State. They talk about how wide their splits are and how they've got receivers that are almost on the sidelines and how that uh, makes things tougher. There's a lot of one-on-one tackles and stuff. So um, you know, they've got the, the leading receiver in the nation, as you guys know, uh, yards-wise, and then a good running back. I mean, they, 
they've been uh, giving Utah State a lot of praise this week. And so um, I, I think it's an interesting time for Boise State to be going down to Logan, a 10 a.m. game, obviously. And if Boise State had won the Oklahoma State game, maybe they're feeling good about themselves. Maybe it's a little more of a trap game. I don't know. Um, but they seem pretty pretty fired up to start conference play and put this game behind them. And I wonder if Utah State's maybe catching them at a bad time. B.J. Reigns, Boise State beat writer for the Idaho Press Tribune, joining us. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Take care. There is B.J. Reigns talking about Boise State and Utah State. When we come back, Riley Jensen on the Cougars, trying to get to 4-0, and and then high school hot takes as well. Stay with us. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies square off against Boise State for a big Mountain West Conference battle at Maverick Stadium. Hear all the play-by-play action on the Zone Sports Network, beginning with a pregame show Saturday morning at 9. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Join Hans and Scotty at University Federal Credit Union at the Ranches Branch on Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 3535 Ranches Parkway in Eagle Mountain. Riley Jensen doubling down this week. He's in studio. Just spent a segment on the Aggies and the Utes and quarterbacks and BYU 3 and 0. Sweet. How surprised are you? I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. It's fun to see BYU play well. It's fun to see them. I mean, look. <clears throat> There's a lot of those guys that I have connections to for whatever reason. I mean, you, you look at James Empey, you see him playing out there. Tyler Beatty is a fun player to watch. Jaron Hall, I mean, look, for a guy that's replacing the number two pick in the draft, he couldn't be more mature. He couldn't be more solid. He couldn't be he's, – he's everything you want for their system right now. Look, <clears throat> Jaron Hall would be – the perfect quarterback at in the University of Utah system right now because the the problem with Brewer was is he couldn't make the plays with his feet to get out and throw on the run. <clears throat> Jaron Hall is doing a great job of staying in the pocket when he's supposed to and then running when he's supposed to and then throwing on the run when he's supposed to. He has a really, really good sense for when to do what. In fact, with Tyler Huntley up at the University of Utah, like I felt sometimes he was forcing the issue too much. So, like, when everyone is saying, oh, he's a great running quarterback, he was trying to show everybody they could throw. And then when he was doing pretty well run, uh, throwing the ball, that he was trying to show everybody they could run, instead of just letting it happen naturally. And I feel like Jaron has a pretty natural sense for, like, when to run, when not to run. And I, I, you have to give a lot of credit to Aaron Roderick for that, and I've been very vocal about how good Aaron Roderick has been because I feel like quarterbacks are developing under him. Sure. And I think in the past at BYU, not – I mean, the near past, there's been times where quarterbacks haven't developed like I would like. Jaron Hall, when he was in high school, if I were to be critical of him in high school, is that he would turn every play into a backyard football game, and he would run around because he was the best athlete on the field, and then it was it was backyard football, and he'd throw the ball to a guy for a touchdown, and you'd go, and I'd be like, yeah, but... Can he can he go three steps and throw a slant on third down and three and get you a first down? That was my criticism, and he's doing it. 
So what I like about it is not only does he have a pretty natural sense for it, but I know that him and that he and Aaron have worked on that because it's much better than it was when I saw him play in high school. How much of BYU's success right now is a product of that very thing you're speaking of, the program along with which is a combination of coaches and players growing up basically. Oh, I, I maturing. The, the 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 biggest thing that I would say about Kalani in the last two years that you start to that you're able to see that maybe you couldn't see in the first part of his career at BYU is the development of players, right? Players that are going in there that were really good high school players but are continuing to get. Tyler Beatty is out of Payson High School, middle of nowhere. There's uh, he's he's your deal where. If you're good, you're good, right? And he was. Like, I mean, I remember watching him the first time going, who the freak is this guy from Payson? Like, he's dominating these drills, right? But he's not only done that. He's now gone to BYU, gone on a mission, come back, and developed, right? And so you're seeing it at defensive line. You're seeing it at the quarterback position. You're seeing it at offensive line. You're seeing these guys mature and grow into these really, really good football players. And it's really fun for me on a personal level to watch a guy like Isaiah Kafusi like really grow in the program. Or you watch, you know, some of these guys, they're just really fun to watch. I mean, Dax Milne, I mean, I remember seeing Dax Milne when he was like in seventh grade, like trying to compete with people, wearing these like flash goggles, catching tennis balls, like doing all this weird stuff and I'm like dude the guy's like 5 foot nothing like how is this and but he's pretty good he's got a lot of chutzpah in him but then to go and see him develop at BYU and now he's on the Washington football team like it's fun to watch them develop I I I will always from from this point forward I will always be an Aaron Roderick fan because look uh, and I think John Beck does a great job, by the way, down in California. So this is not a cut on John Beck. So please don't take this the wrong way at all. No, everybody has to choose. One guy gets cr- no, no, all the credit. No, 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 the other no. guy gets none. Well, what, what people don't understand, because I coach I coach quarterbacks individually. I have like over 40 quarterbacks right now that I work with individually in the state of Utah. There's only so much you can do in an individual training session that you can't do in a team session. And you have to give a lot of credit to Aaron Roderick because he's put he's now put Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall in really, really good situations in practice that help them to learn and develop and know how to read a defense. You can't do that as an individual coach. The other thing that's really important about Aaron Roderick to me is that he has enough confidence to let these guys have their own swagger, to let to let Zach Wilson throw the ball sidearm or try to hurdle someone. A lot of guys, and including myself as an offensive coordinator, like you get a little bit side. Ah, you're breaking the rules. You're breaking the rules. Don't break the rules. There's rules to playing quarterback, and you can get caught up in the ego of that, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to really admire Aaron Roderick for just – he 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 has enough confidence in himself like no let him play let him play a little within these rules right like he has a broader set of rules than i ever did with quarterbacks and i think it lets him play a little bit more free i mean jaron hall hasn't been perfect but man he's been pretty solid it's been pretty solid, especially for a guy that's replacing a second-round draft pick, because there's a lot of expectations in that yeah, position yeah, yeah. now. No question. Going forward, do you think this program can take off as it transitions into the Big 12? I think it can if they continue to play as physical as they're playing in the trenches. Like that offensive and defensive line right now is really, really physical. They out Utah'd Utah no in the rivalry game. That yeah. was that was where they won that game. Now, 
I thought the same thing about the University of Utah when they were transitioning in the Pac-12, and I think Kalani when they was the defensive coordinator when they first transitioned, if I remember right, but I, I may not. But I was like, man, is as a defensive coordinator, are you really going to go like seven in the box and play man to man in the Pac-12? Like how the freak? And they've done it because, like you guys have said, and I've heard you say it on the radio before, they're indoors that they weren't normally in, and they're getting guys that they didn't used to get. And so the level goes up a little bit. BYU is going to have to do that if they want to play the same time. And there's going to be a couple of growing pains in the Big 12, but I think they can play this style of defense and this style of offense in the Big 12 and win, especially if they keep recruiting the meat and potatoes that they've been doing with the offensive and the defensive line and continuing to develop them. Look, I'm very complimentary of BYU right now. It's fun when BYU's playing well. I wish Utah had a little bit better start than what they've had. Because I think with Utah State at three and zero, BYU at three and zero, and maybe Utah at two and one with a loss to BYU, like this would be really fun. I mean, it's really fun anyway to me, but it'd be really fun to be talking about football in the state of Utah right now. So you look at BYU's schedule, and currently there are no ranked teams on it. Maybe USC will be ranked at the end of the year. Maybe somebody else will be between now and USC. Oh, you said UCLA was ranked. You told me I'm last talking week. BYU's schedule. Oh, BYU doesn't play UCLA. So That's where right, they play SC. Right. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> right. So I'm just curious where you think BYU could be in trouble. Do you think they're going to sail through this? Rose Bowl. So there's the USC game. There's well, there's one other game when I was looking through the schedule the other day. that I, Read off the rest of the games to me. Just well, it's Baylor and Virginia. And oh, Boise. it's Baylor. Boise. It's Baylor. Cause hey, is boys, it at Baylor or home? <laughs> it's at Baylor, isn't it? South Florida this week. Then they yeah. go to the Aggies, home to the Broncos. Then it's at Baylor, at Wazoo. Home to Virginia, and then it's Idaho State, Georgia Southern, Southern USC. So. so I remember looking through the schedule, thinking that they had two losses, but I didn't know which two they would be. So, so Baylor, Virginia, Utah State, USC. Those are all like, those depending Boise? on how and Boise, Utah State? right? Come like, on. Yeah. well, the only reason I'm throwing Utah State in there is because at Utah State, mm-hmm. right? and I think Utah State's playing a high level, and I think Utah State can score points. So if it gets into a shootout. Does BYU have the firepower to shoot They haven't shoot scored out? 30 points in a game right. yet, so although they haven't needed to. Right. And as people who, and as people, I mean not just us, our listeners, as people who laughed at win by nine, not by two, because that cost BYU a Stanford game once upon a time, you can't really, you know, BYU didn't need 30. But against the Aggies, they might. They right. haven't, and, I, but and, they might. and we'll just have to see what happens. Like I, I'm really excited about that matchup, just as an Aggie fan and a former Utah State quarterback. But I, when I look through their schedule, I could see two losses in there, and and maybe just because of a letdown. Like they're, they're you, you know, what I mean, look, it's hard to go undefeated, oh, sure. and it's yeah. hard to win Division One games. But they could also run the table, and everybody's singing Hallelujah, and you know, all wow. that kind of stuff. Well, so like, they run the table, man. Hello, Kalani Sataki. Here's the, <laughs> no, listen. Here's the good news. Here's the really good news about if you're a BYU football fan right now, you're going to go into every single one of these games with a healthy expectation that you could win. That's a good place to be because when you're with a team where you're like, yeah, mm. we're not, yeah, we're not probably really good. like if you're Riley Jensen cheering for Utah State against Wazoo and you're like, yeah, we're 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 not gonna win this game, <laughs> like like going into it and then you get in the game you're like. Holy crap, it's 6-5, but for some reason this offense feels kind of exciting to me and the defense is flying around, they're playing, and then they're scoring, and then, and then they win, and you're just elated. But I had no expectation 
that Utah State was going to beat Wazoo on the road. Like none, none, and and no, and I if they would have come out of that game and lost, I would have been like, hey, nice job, Coach Anderson, dude. Like these guys are playing a different level of football right now. Like that looked like a healthy football team, like a, a, an encouraging football team. So if you're BYU and now you beat Arizona State, you beat Utah. And we'll see how good those teams really are as we go down the season. But you've got a chance to win every these game, every one of these games, and a healthy chance to win, not just like a like a ooh, I hope we win. Like, but like you could you A could, plus, we got play you, A plus, and they got play C. You yeah. can beat USC, you can beat Baylor, you can beat Virginia, you can beat Utah State, you can beat Boise State, and those are the five games that I'm thinking maybe they lose two of those. Oh, Baylor. Robbie Bosco and Jaron Hall, the only two quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Good news, Jaron. You get to look forward to a life of golf. Yeah. Get your lifetime cushy gig. Yeah, right. Hey, man, it's got a ring. It's played pretty good in 84. Yeah, no question about that. I remember that. watching. I was 10. I don't. And I watched every game. I was older. I watched every game. Did you really? Yeah. Every single game. That was a different era. We, listen, we couldn't, when you, we couldn't. We lived out of state. You couldn't when, see every game when in that you were, when, when you were living in the state of Utah between like 1980 and 1992, like BYU quarterbacks, I mean, I remember standing in the southeast corner of the end zone at Utah State University growing up in Logan, and I couldn't believe I was watching Steve Young play. I couldn't believe that I could – like they were, they were backed up in the south end zone, and he was calling the play, and I was like – Oh my gosh, that's Steve Young. I mean, dude, I wore number eight in college at Utah State because of Steve Young, right? Like, the, there was nothing like quarterback you in the '80s. If you're growing, I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. Let's call it what it, I know. Utah State fans are gonna get mad at me right now, but come on, man. You know, like, and there was arguments in my family, like, hey, who's the greatest BYU quarterback ever? It still happens in my family, and in my family, it's not even a question. It's Jim McMahon. They're like, you don't even know, right? And I, and I don't because when he played, you're talking about like five, five to eight years old. Like, I don't. Really you were get You it. couldn't really analyze quarterbacks no, in the first. But they're grade. like, they're like. Riley, they're like Riley. He was fast. He had a cannon. He had swagger. And where did he go to high school? Roy High School. Oh, so you don't. Really oh, they were a little bit better than the Roy High School today. Don't give me that crap, dude. You're so full of crap. Your eyes are brown right now. Don't try and play. And that I am a charger. <laughs> Your wife is a charger. <laughs> well, if they win, I'm a charger too. Listen, you can't bandwagon like that just because your wife works at the school. <laughs> bandwagon, yeah, dude. You didn't. Watch no, him. no, you, you don't. You used to bad. call him Coral Canyon for me. You used to do it for me. You called him Coral Canyon. <laughs> not, you called him Coral Canyon. <laughs> you don't bring up the bandwagon. Tank. Bring up the tape, when, Jake. But that was before family. Oh, yeah. Oh. Once family got involved, so you're involved. not really a fan no, until family not, got involved. Not, well, of course. Yeah. You yeah, so you're on family. the bandwagon. No, it's not you bandwagon. You jumped on the if, wagon. If I was a BYU fan, just like uh, the Coveys, you think the Coveys aren't rooting for Utah when they play BYU? As soon as he's yes. done, as soon as he's and, done, oh, they're all putting their BYU done, gear back I'll on. go back to Brighton or Jordan or wherever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't decided yet. Listen, <laughs> listen. But right now, when you're drawing a paycheck, so we're watching Corner play the other night. I, I said, know. And she said, coached this guy. <laughs> and she I, taught this guy. And so, he's a fine young man. And I we told, really like him. I told oh, him. my gosh. Corner Canyon kids are the greatest kids in the history I, of the state of Utah. You're here for one hour, and this pisses you off. <laughs> 
It does kind of it's piss me off. Oh, man, you follow family. <laughs> I love the lady. What can I tell you? So I tell I mean, her, it's revisionist history. It's not. It's oh, accurate. It is. There's it's, plenty of that. There's been a follow, big dose of that this morning. I'm nothing morning. but a covey. I follow my family. So I tell her, hey, tell care this or that. So she sees him on Monday. She says, oh, man, PK said to tell you something. I can't remember what it is. And he says... Well, I mean, oh, it's PK. It's probably you can kiss my bleep. Listen, <laughs> listen, I can tell you this. If my wife was teaching or working at the rival school, I'm not a fan of that school because they're at the rival. The rival now, school. Now, my kid, my kid, if he goes, I'm like, where do we buy the hat? And where? But if my wife works there, I oh, don't know. Well, that's yeah. because I'm just know. a better husband than you. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get in the way of this That's shtick. probably true for other reasons. Don't. But not for that reason. Don't get in the way of the shtick. All right. Just let it roll. Dude, that was fun. You guys were all like tired and like not smiling. Look at you guys. You're smiling. You need a little more Riley in your life. <laughs> That's what you need. Stop by anytime, Riley. All right, You're always welcome. Thanks for having me. There's Riley Jensen. He was actually in studio with us for two segments yesterday. If you want to hear the whole thing, go to 1280thezone.com. He had a lot to say in the first segment about the Aggies and the Utes. All right. Right now we're going to take a break. When we come back... What is trending? All the headlines are coming up next. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NFL. Obviously, it's something that we don't want to necessarily do. There was things said to him and Brittany that you don't see on the clip, but he's been good at not trying to respond to that stuff. He takes a lot, and he's usually pretty good at it, and he'll learn from it and uh, just try to stay away from those people as best he can. It's absolute give a platform to people who have no idea what they're talking about as far as my mental state and you know my focus my work habits people that have not been around me they're not in my life i don't have communication with them or not in the locker room i mean that's that's just that's just you know it's it's so ridiculous that, that people give get a platform to do this and it's the same type of people Patrick Mahomes on his brother, Aaron Rodgers, on people talking about him, NFL quarterbacks, under the spotlight, PK, 330 million Americans with opinions about him. Aaron? Well, one thing, why isn't Mahomes' family up in the booth in a box or whatever you want to call it, suite, I guess? Well, in the past, we've seen his uh, girlfriend, now his wife, up in a booth, so I don't know what's going on with that. But that's his brother. So. Yeah, I would assume that when I saw her up there that that was a family and friends box. So I don't know what's going on. So I had family in coaching, and I had family played football. And during games, I'd go on the visitor side. So they totally anonymous. Right. You don't have to hear it. Ready to brawl like 50 times. Yeah. I mean, I'd, my wife was a coach, and I couldn't handle it. I literally, and we're talking high school, so this is obviously nothing close to this. So, and then another one played a little quarterback, and I would go sit on the other side because it was just brutal. And then, Aaron, it's okay, we should start a contest. What's tomorrow's diva going to be? No idea. Why do you let it get under your skin? Don't say anything. And then it goes away. You make it a story. It's like, I know I'm getting under your skin every time I tell you that you root against the issue because you defend yourself, it bothers you. 
If you would just say, yeah, yeah, you're right, then I would know it doesn't really bother you. <laughs> but when you respond to this, well, then, it, yeah, let it go. It's just blow it off and it goes away. Now here, a day or two later, it becomes a bigger deal and it sort of mushrooms off itself. A snowball effect, if you will. Staying with the quarterback news. Tua Tungavailoa is going to miss the Dolphins game with the Raiders. Fractured ribs suffered against the Bills on Sunday. And when I first heard about that uh, officially yesterday, I'm driving home listening to satellite radio and I hear that. And I'm at a stoplight, and the first thing I do is I take my right hand and I put him over my left ribs. Oh! You felt his pain. Yeah! Doesn't that sound painful? Just, I have never had that. Never have come close to have that. But it must be like, is it every breath you take? I'm trying to ignore this so it will stop, but that doesn't work. That was a heck of a theory you threw out there. But it doesn't work. It's well, just it a lie. Work. That what? if I ignore something you say or do, it will go away. No, 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 no. That bugged no. me, so I didn't say anything, no, didn't but you kept you. doing it. It didn't bug you. It did. No, it didn't. Not, not like the other thing. You were just trying to make up for the other thing, which proves it even more by saying what you said. <laughs> now you say, no, I didn't. And you'll prove it again. I gotcha. And it's so early, too. You got to get up earlier, son. Jacoby Brissett will start the game for Miami. Who smells 3-0 for the Raiders? Oh, I wouldn't guarantee that by any stretch. Brissett's been around for a good while now. I don't think Tua Tagovailoa is that good to where he's out and this this team has no chance to win. That's, that's essentially what you're saying. I don't buy that at all. Bears will start rookie Justin Fields, ruling Andy Dalton out. Left knee injury. Nick Foles will be Fields' backup. Bears will get a glimpse of their future, possibly. Thursday night football, Carolina and Houston tonight, 620 on the NFL Network. Texans, despite a difficult offseason, are 1-1 one one to beat up on uh, Jacksonville in the opener for the win. And they're playing Carolina, who's taken down the Jets and the Saints so far. See if the Panthers can get to uh, 3-0 with Sam Darnold. 6-20-9 on the NFL Network. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. The main thing that we wanted to make sure that that I was hoping NIL could do just take care of student debt and the student loans when people graduate from school, specifically student athletes and walk-ons that pay their own way through school. They spend so much time preparing for for their various sports and, and a lot of times they go into debt. And so if there's any way that we can relieve them from that and the stress of having that debt when they graduate, that's what I, I, I appreciate. Kalani's got it down, doesn't he? Well, I speak to that. You guys can't. I had debt. I had debt well into my 30s that I had to pay off. So I know exactly what he's talking about. And I had to work. I didn't play football, but I was working 25, 30 hours a week throughout my entire college duration. Took me five years to get through it. And then I had 15 years of student loans I had to pay off. So I know exactly what he's talking about. But the attention, the bigger thing here, the attention on Kalani Sataki is just exploding. And he handles it well. Sounds sounds smart. Sounds reasonable. Well, that's doesn't no sound like coach going uh, off the deep end. That's zero surprise there. We've all talked to him a million times. 
College football playoff board of managers, which is comprised of 11 presidents and chancellors who have the authority to change the playoff, will not vote next week on the proposed 12-team format, further delaying any major changes to the current four-team field. I think they're going to end up uh, doing a similar deal, but doing it later. TV networks, they want to get CBS and Fox in. Well, the Big Ten does. And so we're talking four years ACC, out. I think so. I'm not going to stress over this yep. every day for four years. I may be dead in four years. I may be dead by Sunday. That a kid. 49ers draft talk right there. Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin, who served as offensive coordinator at Alabama under Nick Saban, said on Wednesday the number one ranked Clemson Tide are owning the transfer portal, amassing even more talent than they already do through high school recruiting, where they normally rank among the top three signing classes every season. Kiffin said now they go cherry-pick players for any holes they may have, like an Ohio State receiver or a Tennessee linebacker. So now it's like not only do they get the best draft picks, but they get to go into free agency and take players. So it's really going to set up one of the most talented teams ever, which is what we're getting ready to play. So don't blame me if we lose. Uh, yeah. Or I'm a genius if we win. I think that's been going and will continue to go. And it, it's not just Alabama. Why single out Alabama? Because he's playing Alabama in a week and a half. It goes down the line. If we have a hole and you have a player in a transfer portal for whatever reason is the best linebacker, say, and we just happen to have an opening for whatever reason, and we're Ohio State, Clemson, yada, yada. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. I wouldn't just limit Alabama. I mean, you can also argue that their players are just so darn good that they wouldn't have as many holes. Uh, But... It's, it goes all all through. It's a significant factor in why Utah State is 3-0. and know, They had some holes, and they go get a right quarterback, now. their leading tackler. And the linebacker's a stud. Yeah. And, you know, who knew about him? I didn't. I'd follow Arkansas State. I used to passionately when I would visit there at least once a year. Uh, but well, He's a former Mountain West player. The, yeah, player at Fresno the State. Fresno. Yeah. But... I got that, so maybe that's a bad example. But I didn't expect him to. I didn't expect him to have this kind of impact, that, no, just and that to makes this sense. level yeah. immediately, to where he's making interceptions all the time. He's making like, plays. Yeah, blah, he had like blah. thirteen tackles against Air Force. Yeah, kids still all over the field. Uh, so at their level, I, I think you're just going to see it all the way down the food chain. And of course, the top, the benefit, the top, uh, the top teams are going to benefit the most. But we've already seen that in a sense. Justin Fields goes from Georgia to Ohio State. Burroughs goes from Ohio State to uh, LSU. JT Daniels has an injury, gets replaced. He goes to Georgia. He's not going to Western Kentucky. San yeah. Diego State wasn't on his radar. Not happening. Well, yeah, that, that's <laughs> there's several notches above Western Kentucky, though. Yeah, but there's several notches below, below the other. Right. So if you're that good, you can call your shot in whatever those circumstances are. Yeah, particularly at the quarterback position, in which we see one player play. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Listen, we're going to go through it. We're going to always do what's best for the team. Uh, but I can tell you. Up front, we would love to get Ben back. And if we can, we're going to try to do that. That's Doc Rivers 
76ers coach, hoping Ben Simmons will change his mind about I'm never going to play for and the team again. And then we're going to lose a 3-1 lead in the playoffs again. Probably. <laughs> I'm Doc Rivers. And I'm going to tell the media that he lost the game for us, and it's going to ruin the relationship, and I'm going to say I didn't say that. This country loves us. No, we love this country, but this country doesn't love us back. Hmm. Golden State Warriors owner Joe Lacob has been fined $50,000 for violating the NBA's anti-tampering rule. His fine came after he cast doubt during a recent interview with the San Francisco Chronicle the Warriors would be interested in acquiring disgruntled Sixers star Ben Simmons. Yeah, I really don't think he fits here. I don't think he's interested. You're tampering. You're fined. $50,000? Honey, get my wallet. (laughs) Get my wallet? Hold on. I got right here in the couch cushion. Exactly. Couch cushion. Nobody has $50,000 in their couch cushion. He does. That no, dude he doesn't. I guarantee might. he doesn't. I guarantee you can argue with me all you want, but I'm very strong in my belief he does not have $50,000 in his couch cushion. Timberwolves fired their president of basketball operations, replaced him with the executive vice president of basketball operations. Gerson Rosas, I know you didn't want to pronounce it. I really it. don't. Gerson Rosas has been replaced by Sachin Gupta. Yeah, whoop de doo It's the Timberwolves. Buried in the West. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. And the one-two pitch is hit high and deep to center field. Betts looking up. It is over and out of here. One and two the count to Goldschmidt, and he hits a high fly ball deep left field. This ball is way out of here. Up on the upper deck. Baseball getting down to it. Week and a half to go. The Giants now have a two-game lead over the Dodgers. Giants beat the Padres 8-6. Rockies beat the Dodgers 10-5. So, a little breathing room for the Giants in the National League West. A rare loss for one of those two teams. If the Dodgers can't make up those two games, they'll be in the wild card and apparently against the Cardinals who've now won 11 in a row, blowing out the Brewers 10-2. Todd O'Neill, Paul Goldschmidt both going deep in that game. 11 straight PK. They were eight and a half back in early August, and now they are four and a half clear of everybody else with a week and a half to go. Yeah, they're rolling. Sensational turnaround for the Cardinals. Astros took 12 innings, but they get the win over the Angels. They're inching towards the division title there. See Shohei Otani tagged out when he missed home plate? I didn't. Thanks for telling me. Kind of awkward looking. You must have. I did. Mariners beat Seattle 4-1. Seattle moving past Oakland in the AL wildcard race with the win. It was a crazy race at the top of the... uh, Top of the wild card race. Can you have a top of the wild card race? Or am I? Yeah. yeah. Why not? Got five teams battling for uh, for the two spots in the American sure. League. Yeah. And right now the Red Sox are two games clear of the Yankees. They would be the teams that would meet. But the Yankees are only a half game in front of Toronto and two and a half up on Seattle. So anything could happen. Bees open a series against the Sacramento Rivercats tonight at 635 Smith's Ballpark. Get your tickets at slbs.com or listen to the game beginning at 620 here on The Zone. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 
Alex Brink, Washington State football radio analyst, will join us at 810. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's going to be on the Ute game this week. He's on the Buffs game last week. Lincoln's going to join us coming up at 9.05. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. As I consider what Kalani was talking about, that they're trying to not necessarily reinvent anything. They just want to do things better. That's how you have a great season. Keying in on what you can do to be better for this next week. Not keying in on what happened last week or the week before. And when you play South Florida and the Cougars are, what, a 23-point favorite, the last thing the Cougars want is to lose to a team they're better than. I would guess that the coaches are showing them their mistakes on film and saying, you're certainly playing good football and winning the game, but got to get this block, got to run this route, whatever the That's what we're going to find out this weekend, whether they let up or whether they're powering forward. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Question of the day, launching your hot takes. Knowing what we know after three games, what are the records of the local college football teams going to be? Tyson, Aggies ten and two. No, oh, that'd be awesome. Wow. BYU three and nine. <laughs> okay, that's funny. Utah ten and two. Oh, I thought you said what I want the records to be. That, that, that's good. That's good. I like that. Three I like and that. nine. Georgia Southern's going to come in here and roll. So the Cougars so lose State. the rest of their games, and Utah <laughs> so wins, wins the rest of their games. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, you're a fan. What the heck? Aaron says BYU. 14 and 0 including the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think they would get in the playoffs, but uh and I don't care if they got in the playoffs. Uh somebody who was was thrown out they got to stop referring oh I think it was Kenzano in Oregon was saying they got to stop referring to the playoffs it's an invitational. Don't well, give it the credibility of the playoffs. Like it's an invitation for years, but it's somebody else outside of it says it. What's with our station? Somebody says it outside of here and it's the freaking 11th commandment. I say it. Nobody likes you. What the crap? There. Now do you feel better? No. Oh. I don't want to be liked. I want to be respected. <laughs> I couldn't give a you-know-what if you like me. Okay. It's better not you. Yeah, that's TV stuff. I don't have a TV job anymore. For now. And I'm proud to say, yeah, you're going to talk to my agent, buddy. What do you mean for now? Purse strings. Open. He made an open gesture there. Yeah. Alberto. Whenever you say that word. My pronunci- I know the words, but my pronunciation sucks. It's getting better. I told you that time I had a job in high school, and there was a sign in the kitchen area, N-O-T-A-N, exit, and the one dizzy girl named was Roxanne. She asked the manager, what's that? Is that in Spanish? Notain exit? <laughs> he looks at her, what? Not no, no an exit. exit. He said, not an exit. exit, just like that. <laughs> exactly the same tone, the same uh, Come on, cadence. keep up. <laughs> and keep the, up. She was such a dizzy chick, too. Everybody would make fun of her. Because <laughs> we it was... Uh, so we had it was all high school kids, and we were like representing several high schools in the area. <laughs> and people, not, I just remember that all these years. Ago. What's that? No Tain exit. 
that's stuff that sticks with you and that and then my other guys when I was baiting two guys into arguing and they're going back and forth that makes a hell of a sense <laughs> oh, we laughed forever I had no idea how easy those times were those were the good old days <laughs> I don't know I've had some good times for sure but I'm talking easy when you think you had worries and you really didn't yep and you see these kids, and I guess it happens across all generations. It's not unique to this generation or any generation, but they stress out about things. And thinking, Sweetie, you just wait. My kid said to me the other day, I don't think I want any children. I was like, smart move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the playoff is just that. It's a... It's a it's a party. It's an in, it, anything that involves judges, I'm out. If it goes to twelve, you're going to be okay with it. With six teams able to play oh, their way the in, format? and then six. If well, I'm just going to say the one that they had. Who knows? Because they got. I mean, there's to some, at some point it isn't really judges. Like every year yeah. in March, the, 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 used to be the 65th team. I'm mean, come on. Yeah. Now it's the 69th. Right. Team, right. Right. But the point is, the conference champs have a way to play their way in. I'll we'll see what the format is. Right, but that I'm talking in basketball. That's what they have in basketball. Oh, oh, oh okay, and okay, in okay. Football, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. If they go with this format, because I don't think the problem was that the format. I think the problem is with giving the ESPN the broadcast rights, and then CBS and Fox walk away from the regular season. Like, why would we do the regular season and promote them in the playoffs? And the Pac-12 is left with essentially what they have this week, which is three games on the Pac-12 network that a lot of people won't see. And three games on ESPN and Fox's cables, uh, cable availability, ESPN, ESPN2, and FS1, that are all going to kick off at 8.30 at night. And a lot of people aren't going to see them. And they're looking for better time slots and more exposure. And that stuff, that takes away from my enjoyment of football. College football, I love it. And it's such a short season Mm -hmm. relative to all the other seasons. I mean, I, I think soccer season, it's like a year and a half and then they take a couple of weeks off and they start another year and a half. You know, it just goes on. I, I was 47 when RSL started. This season? Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm 74. You know, the coaching changes and all this. And it's, it's just worn on me, Dave. And they're not winning to your level. I feel bad for you. It's been tough. You know, no one thinks about my feelings, but it's been tough. Uh, so I, and I get all that stuff's important, but that just wrecks my enjoyment of it. And the playoff it is just an invitational. I've been saying it for a good long time. It's, it's not their goal. Because their goal is something that they can't achieve without somebody else saying, yes, you've achieved it. Whereas winning all your games, you don't need somebody else to, achieve, to allow you to achieve that. You can achieve that yourself. It's very difficult. You just did it twice in the OOs, right? And good for them. It was awesome both times. And if the Cougars should go down that road, although that's such a high standard, I don't hold them to that. They had a phenomenal season last year. Turns out it wasn't the schedule. Because if it's the schedule last year, then it's the schedule this year. And that means your team sucks. And I'm speaking from the heart because my team got beat. So it's not just your team, you guys. It's the Devils and the Utes. (laughs) Well, of course, I meant the Cats, too. Uh, so I don't want to hear that because if it was the schedule, then your team bites. And you don't want to admit that 
Because your team, according to Tom Terrific there, is about ready to go on a 10-game win streak. Yeah! Look out! (laughs) All right, so enough of the comedy and the people who are wishing, hoping. And praying. Andrew says BYU's going to go 10-2. and two. Utah's going to go 8-4. and four, And Utah State's going to go 9-3. and three. Mm-hmm. Obviously, just a reasonable. guess. But I see all three in bowl games and winning. Yeah, so do I. A winning, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who they're going to play and what the circumstances are and who's going to opt out. Who's going to opt out and yeah. who's going to opt in to play. Yeah. Is Kalani coaching the Trojans at that point? Oops. <laughs> Breaking news! <laughs> So I don't worry about the bowl games anymore. They're just, to me, they're just for fun. Unless you're in one of those high, high-profile ones where there's stakes in it. Uh, I, I'm like Riley Jensen. I've said this for a long time too. I predict records, but I can't predict necessarily losses. I don't do that at the time of the week when we get there. Then you can take a shot. At yeah. It. So, but I think uh, in this stretch you see for BYU, you think they might go two and one when they've got Baylor and Virginia. And Washington State all lumped together. Now, Bronco Mendenhall stealing Latter-day Saint kids out of St. George, whose dad played for BYU. Did you see that? I didn't, but it happens. No, it don't happen. (laughs) What do you mean it happened? Brian McKenzie's twin boys are Virginia. Brian McKenzie. He played at BYU as a running back. I remember. In the 90s. He's good. Covered them that year. Remember, he teared up. He had a fumble at uh, Air Force. And in the tunnel afterward, interviewing him, he teared up because it meant so much to him. I thought, wow, this kid really cares for sure. Yeah. So certainly, I, I was working for the watchdog at the time. And his kids, twins, he got twin boys. And Bronco comes all the way to St. George. And, and they're going to go on Latter-day Saint missions. We hate Bronco. Bronco hates us. <laughs> he do. <laughs> That's actually useful. <laughs> he didn't like it, but it's useful. <laughs> the Wahoo, he do. Come in here stealing our guys. I'm the newest Wahoo. Yeah. May you lose every game, Wahoo boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fourth or fifth guy he's taken that have gone on missions. Was he David Shaw? Yep, pretty much. At least David Shaw, I can understand it. Come on, you go all the way back there, seven time zones away. He's stealing our guys. Or two. If I'm Kalani Seitake, I'm furious. Did they want him? <laughs> Yak, you're into yeah, that. They're both legit track stars with legit. Sub speed? eleven second speed. They, they these hit, these two boys can fly. So what are they? Receiver DBs. Receiver DBs. Yes. Yeah, those are your fastest guys usually. Uh, wow. What size are they? They got good size. Or are they smaller? One six one. One's five eleven. So man, and Bronco coming all the way out here to get him. Wonder who his primary recruiter is for Utah. Uh, Papinga, Two J. All of them. Atuaya. Oh, so all of them. And I. Everybody recruits you. <laughs> I see that. If you want to follow their social media, those guys are back here often. Well, I know uh, Kelly's uh, in-laws. I his parents live up the road, and, and his, his in-laws are real close he, to where I He comes back quite often. Yeah. I'll give him a pass. I like him. <laughs> Kelly, you're the only one. Yeah, he's always been good to me. Although all those guys have been good to me, actually. I got zero complaints with any of them. And I was always great to me. 
uh, every single one of those guys. Uh, but yeah, there you go, man. I don't know what Virginia is yet. I haven't. I've just. I've watched them because of Bronco and those guys. Uh, I don't know if they're capable of coming out here. And Baylor, you know, they beat Kansas, but everybody beats Kansas. Uh, so I'm not sure. Baylor is a big old. Their their schedule right now hasn't revealed right. anything Texas about them. Texas State. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't follow it enough to have a feel. Uh, on where they're at. I look at their scores. I've watched you know highlights and flick around when they're on because I've got two cable systems. I get every channel possible, uh, and it helps me with my cardio because i got one upstairs, one downstairs. Nice. So I was just whoosh, run downstairs to Pac-12 Network, run back upstairs. And <laughs> the problem is I grab some nachos on the way. Kind of thwarts my efforts there. But uh, I'm not sure on those. Uh, but Virginia, yeah, that that's uh, Halloween weekend. I think it's the thirtieth of November, October. That's going to be a fun time too. And I think uh, that should be a good week. I, th- I think the Utes might have the Bruins then, right? That weekend, I think they do. I don't worry about the schedule as uh, much as you think I do. I don't know. I can look it up if well, you I, really need to know. But well, yeah, I you nailed it. UCLA, Utah. I, I think play our listeners care about. The schedules of BYU Utah, so I'm pretty sure yeah, on that. UCLA will be at Rice Eccles yeah. Stadium, Virginia. At right, Edwards I think I've virtually got it memorized now. Uh, especially now that we get into conference play, and I'm excited in two years when the Cougars can get into conference play because for me, those were the hors d'oeuvres these last three weeks and the conference stuff. It's where the real juice is. Yeah, I mean they just all these coaches they've especially on our side of the country, as I'm sure it is on other parts of the country, they recruit a lot of the same guys. So they know kids, and they've been following them, you know, since the tenth grade and all. I, I really enjoy conference games, particularly in the Pac-12, and I'll grow to enjoy them in the Big Twelve. Uh, Big Twelve, and and certainly Utah State and Boise this uh, tomorrow morning. Oh, I'd say it's only Thursday. And see, I want it to come so quick. I'm already jumping the gun here. Tomorrow morning, no, I got to wait 48 hours. But I mean, I've already got my Saturday morning planned. You know, I'm excited for that game. It's a conference game. I'm way into it. Aggie straight into the Utes. You'll be free by four. Yeah. And I, I, I told the old lady we'll go bike riding at four. Have a little time off uh, to get ready for the Cougars later on that night. Yeah. I may take her out to get a bite. You know, if things are going well. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to order in. You're going to get hooked on another game. <laughs> yeah, well, we're out riding bikes. You know what's going to happen at four is that'll be about the fourth quarter of Baylor Iowa State, so you know you'll be checking on that. Speaking uh, of Baylor, first real yeah, but I want to ride test. bikes. Can I freaking ride bikes for an hour? That's what suck. That's what Friday's for. No, <laughs> no, I want to ride bikes on Saturday. All right, she then works game day. I don't have the exclusivity of game income day. to where your wife can sit around with her feet up all day. Mine has to work. What can I tell you? So you go stand in front of kids for six hours and feel like if you want to ride a bike then it's quite exhausting i student taught when i was 22 years old and i was done at a quarter to two i felt like it was a quarter to two a.m every night man i was exhausted and i had all the energy in the world back then oh you should have seen me i could go for days athletically speaking of course it's a quarter until two and i'm a little guest and i need you now now that was painful <laughs> that's why i don't sing on the radio much <laughs> i got news keep it that way. i got news for you it doesn't get much better <laughs> 
So the Cougars will have some tests for sure, yeah. And we don't know what SC is going to be like down at the end. They could be as hot as can be. The talent is there. That uh, You thought Stockton Malone was a big deal. Dart to London. That's the new Stockton Malone. Kid's chucking a number 15 every time. Good call. He's a great player. He's 6'5". Throw it up yeah, to him. He's a little banged up right now. Uh, yeah. They're uh, not going to take him away. I'm going to keep going to him. Yeah, he's a heck of a player. He's the next in a long line. Line of stud. really good wide receivers coming yeah, through USC. I mean, so a bunch many of them. of them, that are in the NFL, doing very, very well. On and on and on that list goes. So some good games. The Utes, you know, and all, uh, can they go seven and two in conference? Go because that's the thing about it now. To go eight and four, they'd have to go seven and two in conference, that's which I believe is an excellent record in that's, conference. It is an excellent record, and seven and two a lot of years will get you into the conference championship game, and that's mm-hmm. why we got a lot of people here saying the Utes are going to go seven and five or six and six. Justin, Utes end up six and six or seven and five. Cougars lose to Baylor and USC, they'll go ten and two. But that's not who the Utah football program is. I don't think that they wildly underachieve. Six and six would be a wild underachievement. Maybe the expectation was completely, totally wrong. But still, that's what it is. You can't pump up. Chris Hill loved to used to say with the basketball, oh, we were picked eighth and finished third. All right. And that was true. But here you were picked second. And six and six, what, what's that in conference then? Five and four. Yeah. Which isn't bad, particularly if you lose uh, those four games are close and competitive and guys make a play. You know, that's why I can't crack on them on the San Diego State result because it was such a thrilling rally uh, and then a two-point jacked up overtime and the guy knows the football, scrapes the ground, and all of a sudden one team is declared the winner and the other team is the loser. I realize that's the way it goes. And that's just it. That's but, the sport you love. But for me, I don't look at that. Oh, wow, man, they got dominated. Portions of the game they got dominated, and portions of the game they didn't look good. I understand all that. And they're expected to beat San Diego State, although I think that's a little bit of a, a misnomer because that's a pretty good program they got over there. It's not uh, chopped liver or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so, nevertheless, I don't look at that while they lost that game and they're just doomed. They're 0-0 zero and zero in conference, I believe, is what I've been told. I have to double-check that. You really yeah. don't have to double-check that. <laughs> they pumped that up big time. And all their goals are right ahead of them. Anybody who says that, immediately you know, you're a Ute fan. <laughs> and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Present a positive. Why not present a positive until you don't do you have really, to? Do you really believe that they're going to do better in 6-3 and three in conference? Knowing they got to play Oregon, and that looks super difficult yeah, right one, now. That's one. That, that's SC one game. looks super difficult right now. But it always did. I, I, think, I think there's... That, but this is the conference. We knew that going in. Right. I know, but I'm just saying UCLA, It's not about Stanford, the opponent. It's ASU, about Utah. Right, but those opponents are decent, and they're but we have already to knew play. they were decent. Right, and the youths are going to have to play very right. well. But we already knew that. Do they look capable? Of That's playing very the issue. Well after three games, That's the issue. It's not about the opponents, and the because those opponents is, were always going to be there. And the answer is sometimes they've had stretches. Well, now we got games. a brand new quarterback, so let's see. I don't know. I believe in rising. I believed in rising. Me and Dylan Colley were the only two that believed in rising. That's obvious. <laughs> 
<laughs> Yak over there nodding. He follows along in the show with his head nods and facial expressions. That's he's why over I point on the, this way. He's over on the computer right yeah. now. So well, he's know. got work to do. <clears throat> he's got stuff he needs to be doing. I so think, he's, kinda, I think he's listening to other shows he listen, on the computer. No, he's not because he can't do that. He's nodding, yes. No, he listens with one ear because he's got other stuff to do. There's just, early morning recruiting uh, talk coming out of Hawaii, uh, and so he's got his guys on a podcast that's, that's, dialed up. Huh? Way early morning. <laughs> Where's uh, the Kahuku kid going? So we have to see what Cam Rising does. You know, if it would have been Brewer again, maybe I would have a better uh, feel for it. But now it's brand new. And it's what they should have done. You were right on Monday. You said I should have told Kyle. And I regret not telling him. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem is <laughs> that for all the good things Cam Rising brings, he's not as accurate. And as who? As Charlie Brewer. What? When his feet are set in the pocket, he's not as accurate. Oh, oh you're and, going to your grave slamming Kyle, this kid. No, I give you no, credit. It's not slamming. And the you're kid. going to your grave a lot sooner than you think. Oh, what now I Cam hope they go Rising, nine and zero. What What Cam Rising brings is the ability to move and be more effective on the run, and they need that more now in the regular season. I don't think they knew that in August because you don't let the quarterback get hit. The heat doesn't really get turned up in the pocket in the same way. Oh, man, it's a quarter to eight. You're a little drunk, and I need Cam Rising now. Now! And Frank and Riley laid that you out on the college football oh, panel. Oh, and they're experts. And so and thus it was, says Frank and Riley. And I had to put the cover video on the interview, and it was really easy to find the points they talked about. It wasn't hard to find Based Cam on those Rising. 14 snaps against SC or the second half against uh, Sanders State? What was it? Because well, that's it was, all they got. No, it was both because they were talking about what Charlie Brewer did both well and poorly, and it was easy to find that in the San Diego State game. And it was easy to find Cam Rising running for his life. And making plays. Nobody runs for the life. Running for his life is a football expression. You, yeah, you, you must are, use it. They and you are wrong. Okay. Cam Rising, I, I'm telling you, the coaches last year in the training camp that they had, it was around this time because everything was jacked up, they were just marveling at his accuracy. The, the only reason they went with Brewer, and it was a wrong decision is because he had more experience. That is it. It had nothing else to do with any accuracy, any other thing. They believed they went with the more experienced guy and they made a decision and it was the wrong decision. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Alex Brink, Washington State football analyst, is going to join us in about 20 minutes. It's Washington State and Utah this weekend, 12.30 in the Pac-12 Network. We'll get his thoughts on the Cougars coming up. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State. Obviously, all of us are looking at your quarterback right now, wondering how his health is and what the potential is for him to play in the upcoming weeks. Oh, he'll play. He took a tough shot. He really did. And he could have probably played, but just didn't feel like he could be very effective. And Andrew came in and did a phenomenal job, obviously, with his legs and made some big throws to help us win that thing. But I think he'll practice without a problem. He'll be sore, but would expect on game day that he's ready to go. 
control completely. He's tough and he's been beat up before. I think uh, just that particular night, the back was just at a point where he just didn't feel like he could be as effective as Andrew was. And, and he told us, Coach, I, I think he's got a better chance of getting us through. I just don't think I can turn on the ball like I need to. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Football Friday presented by Stonehaven Dental. At Stonehaven Dental, they say yes. Yes to free exams and x-rays for new patients and flexible appointments. Say yes to great dental care. Visit StonehavenDental.com to schedule an appointment. Question of the morning. Now that we've got three games in the books, where are these teams going to finish? We got a lot of Aggie fans. Well, Colton, I was going to say we got a lot of Aggie fans who are picking 9-3, and three, and then Colton says 10-2, and two, and they win the Mountain West. Win the whole thing? Yep. Ooh. Why not? Early to say. I, I still think Boise will have a significant say in it. They've lost a couple of close games, and uh, you know they went all the way to Florida and brought in Oklahoma State. And lose by a point, so uh, not and they had a not new, ready to write them off. Coaching staff, yep. And didn't it seem like a okay, difficult there might schedule? Be, might be a little bit of a stumble out of the blocks. Uh, so we'll get a really good read. Utah State has been on top of the world for sure, and they win Saturday. Then that's a whole other story. Well, if they win Saturday, then they're an eight-win team for sure, and probably better than that. I'm talking about winning the thing, though. Oh, okay. They're 3-0 right now, and they got some games out there. Well, the second half of the schedule is much easier than yeah. the first. New Mexico and New Mexico State. Yeah. They've got Hawaii at home. Hawaii's had two road games and performed very poorly in both of You're them. You're going back to the schedule again. You just told me not to do that. <laughs> You've told me not to do that. They're gonna they're gonna rack up some wins. I think oh, seven the second half of the schedule. Yeah, seven seven for sure. There's no reason to be going lower than seven right now. And seven's a pretty negative read actually on the rest of their season. Right now, right yeah. now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a bunch of injuries and right. everything changes. But right now, seven would be the worst case scenario, mm. which I didn't think was possible when the season started. I didn't want to pick them seven and five. I did. I know. And and I told you I didn't want to pick them seven and five. And right now that. Seems and I told like you you should. Wind. When are you going to start listening to me? I'm a savant when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> okay. Jeez. I'm what rarely you, wrong. Well, what are you doing here, man? Go to Vegas, baby. I don't gamble. Well, if you're going to be right all the time, it's I don't not gambling. Gamble. I don't want to gamble. Okay. I don't want to gamble. All right. Quit forcing me to gamble. <laughs> Two things you've been forcing me for years. One, no, I don't want to know more. Two, stop with the gambling. Okay. Both are a gamble. <laughs> He's just making stuff up. Just let him go. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so we'll see Saturday, man. It's a huge game. It's the biggest game in Blake Anderson's Utah State tenure. I don't see how you can argue that. Well, it's the first conference game. No, it's the second conference second game. Second conference right. game. You already got Air Force in the AAC. I did. I sent them away. <laughs> They're coming back. They're going to figure out it's a long way to East Carolina. Don't do it. Plus, as you go to, when you get there, it's East Carolina. It's East Carolina. Don't do it. <laughs> Think about it. Talk about it if it entertains you. But in the end, don't do it. Mountain West has a talk good thing. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Mountain West has a good thing going. Don't mess with it. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, go 2-0 and with a win over Boise. Wow, you're in the driver's seat right then and there. And 
That would just be absolutely awesome. As I said, I'm so excited for that game to watch, see what they can do. There are other teams now in the Mountain ex- West. they got that, expectations. Right. There are other teams in the Mountain West that look good. Yeah. Fresno State, obviously, that was a great win over UCLA. San Diego State's pumped about beating Utah. Those teams look good to they me. They don't yeah. play those teams in the regular season. Well, but Fresno's Oregon loss look good. <clears throat> right, yeah. Obviously, they could get one of those teams in the conference title game. So, yeah. worry about the conference titles a long way away. Beat Boise State. Get a big time leg up in the in the race in the division, right? Right, no doubt about it. So, and then then dream big. Oh, that would be sweet. That would be really sweet for them because last year, even though it was a screwy season, it was so awful, uh, and they looked so pathetic. They were non-competitive. I felt bad for them, and 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 it's like since it's not too long ago that they sucked for years. So you're a little bit on edge there, you know, oh, we're going to go back to that or where are we exactly on the food chain? And so if they follow this last disaster, this season last year with something big time, well, then let's see. Of course, then people are going to come calling for Blake Anderson, uh, but worry about that. That's later. life in the Mountain West. Yeah. Other people have more money than you. I so. thought you were going to go with fast lane. Yeah. <laughs> Surely lose your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, worry about that if it happens. Uh, it's it's huge. The youth the youth thing has got me intrigued, though. You know, because I right now I, I agree with you. Having looked at the schedule and doped it out, you see where Utah State has a bunch of wins down the mm-hmm. road, and BYU they're going to have a fair amount of wins down the road. So it's probably not going to be a big time disaster either way. But can the Utah season get away from them? That that's you, the Utes right now are the most intriguing team of the three, trying to forecast where they're going and how they're going to get there. Well, you got to forecast the other things, other teams, and there are some sure fire, just absolute bad teams on BYU's and Utah State schedule, and you know they're going to win those games. You do. Now, for the Utes, you got a lot of teams performing. Colorado and Arizona. Right. They're beating them. Yes. So that's three wins. But there's a bunch of teams that kind of look like they're in the middle. The games could go either way. Which I sort of already thought. I I mean, I've been thinking that all along. In the preseason. In August. That the other teams were in the middle. But you thought the Utes were better. But I thought they were going to give them a game because this is a Pac-12, and I've seen it a million times, right. where a team on any given But if you can, give them, can them a game, you. and then the Utes win 27-21, Washington State gave the Utes a game. Washington State was in control at halftime a year ago, and then the Utes blew them off. I don't I, count last well, year. Well, okay, you can go back two years, though. You can go back three years if you want. But I still have them winning, and I still have them winning that game. Home game, you, you need to win this game. If you don't, then your season has an opportunity to be a disaster. I don't see it. I said after the Utah BYU loss, eight and four was the bottom line. I think I'm still I'm still going to stick with that because you said it, but you know full well it might not be right. But it's not a huge ask. It's not. I totally agree. I get what you're feeling. I feel the same thing. Because they've got, I've got I believe re- they've got three wins built in, so I only got to get two more. Yep. 
So I believe they got Arizona, Colorado, Washington State. That's three right there. Yes, it is. So can they get two more you've got out the, of the rest of that schedule? And got, Absolutely. And you've got the Oregon loss built in. So now they're four and three. Okay, and you fine. got five games to decide the season. Which I always thought was going to be the case. The only thing that I didn't think is that they would be one and two now. But I always thought those games would be the decider. Because I said UC Los Angeles all along was going to be a tough out. That was the very phrase that I used. I still think they are. And I've seen nothing to think otherwise. Win or lose. Which they've had both. Both. LSU was impressive. Fresno State was disappointing. Yes. And ASU, if they can actually stay on sides, <laughs> got a shot. They might be all right. Right? But it's going to be a tough game. And it, Oregon State, for the people who are thinking, we've talked about this, they don't look as bad and as hopeless as they've been. And if you go in and play a C-minus game against them, you can lose. Right. And if you go in there and play a B-plus game against them, you're probably going to win. They're making small steps. Yes. But if you have an off day, that you're game in, over there, yes. And so and it, I've seen this a million times with the Devils. The one year, man, they're flying high. They beat Notre Dame. Everything is going their way. They go up there in November and freaking eight thirty at night. It's raining. It's miserable. Guys are getting concussions on tackling because it's like <laughs> concrete and normal plays, and they're dropping like flies. So you never know on that situation. Right. But if they lose to, if the youths lose to USC, UCLA, Stanford, and Oregon, they're six well, then and they're six. Hosed. They're six and six. And that could happen. But they, they've, at the same time, they've owned Stanford. They have. Sweet. And maybe this is the year. You I mean, are, they've owned BYU. Yeah. And then this was the year. Yeah. So you're not going to beat these teams every time you play them. That's why, if I'm a youth fan, I don't sweat that BYU loss at all. You beat them 9 out of 10. And they got you. It was going to happen. Whoop-de-doo. You lost the game. See you in two. That's sort of ironic because you hear a lot about that. You go on social media now. See you in two. And it's the same thing here. See you in two. You see where I'm going? No, because they're going to see them in three. They're going to miss two years. Right. Season three. Oh, it's two years. They're not playing. Come on. So I'll see you in three. Just roll with it, okay? <laughs> All right. Fine. What a wet noodle you are. Oh, do some math over there, AC. Well, see you in two. They're not playing you two won't. years. You won't. Well, That's maybe the same TV. thing here. The kid leaves here and it stretches into the following calendar year. So come on. Same type of principle. You know what I'm saying, Yock, don't you? I got you. Right. You remember, I remember when your parents got all misty eyed when you left? It was tough, but then you came yeah. back. What a joyous Mom reunion. Did. And Dad's tough. Oh, you're speaking from no. experience? It was the other way around. Flipped around, <laughs> even though I expected what you just described. Oh, really? Yeah. Dad turned into a marshmallow, and Mom was like, right. How was it for you, Sniggs? <laughs> I mean, we know the Korean language is hard to learn. Just making stuff up, actually. <laughs> when we come back, Alex Brink, Washington State football radio analyst, get the lowdown on the Cougars. Next, stay with us. Football Friday presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. The Utes getting ready to play Washington State Pac-12 Conference opener. 
for the Utes. For Washington State, they lost to USC last week. Questions, PK. Questions everywhere. CU defense going to hold up. There was improvement from game two to three there, but we haven't talked about it because we've been talking about the quarterback and the offense. I don't think the defense has played poorly yet. Even though they got pushed around in the second half by their coach's own admonition? Inside they did, sure, yeah. I didn't think they were bad in the first half at BYU. I thought they were actually very good in the first quarter at BYU. Those two turnovers in the short fields, they handled that well. I mean, it didn't get out of hand. No. But they didn't get the stops they needed in the second half. Well, yeah, they needed tons of stops because the offense wasn't doing much. Yeah. All right, it's time to bring in Alex Brink, Washington State football radio analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. The best estate award winner, Smart Rain, is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. The offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Alex, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. Depending on which of the local college football teams we talk about, sure. there are varying levels of confidence. And I suspect when we talk about Washington State football, you would say the same thing. Varying levels of confidence. Times they look yeah, good, I, times when they don't look good at all. Yeah, I think that's a uh, fair assessment. Um, you know, in all honesty, the I think week one, obviously against Utah State, which I'm sure you guys followed, was you know was a pretty big wake up call in the end, in the end for for Washington State. You, know, you get kind of a a game in week two against Portland State that you're able to get your feet back underneath you, and, and the first half against USC was about as good as it, it could have been. I mean, probably the best half of football that we've seen from uh, Nick Rolovich team um, over the last couple of years. And then it all just fell apart, really, kind of heading into, I guess, the last possession for USC heading into half, and then and then the whole second half, Washington State really, really struggled. Gave up 45 points unanswered, couldn't score, couldn't stop them, and now you're kind of left with the same feeling, if not worse, than, than that week one loss to Utah State. So what's going to happen at quarterback? Hard to say. I mean, I think Jane Delora, uh, who was the backup going into the season behind Jared Garantano, who was the uh, University of Tennessee grad transfer, um, and took over for Garantano when he got hurt in week one, uh, he got nicked up against USC, came out of half with a knee brace on. We're not really sure, honestly, what uh, what the injury was. Uh, Coach Rolovich has said this week that he's, he's doubtful that Delore will be able to go um, and has said that two guys, Garantano coming back off injury and then uh, obviously former Utah high school superstar Cameron Cooper will be taking reps uh, the bulk of this week. So it's going to be interesting because Cooper was kind of thought to be the third guy throughout, you know, as camp ended, but then he was not the guy to come off the bench when Delore got hurt. That was a walk on Victor Gabalas and, and Gabalas struggled. Um, and Cameron did pretty well when he got his chance versus USC. So it kind of sounds like uh, uh, between Garantano and Cooper, those two guys are getting ready to go. But, again, you never know. We'll have to see. So that would suggest that Washington State needs to lean on the run game, and Max Borgie did not do much against Utah State, and then he broke a really big run that was important in the flow of that game. Uh, can they, they count on him? He, he kind of got taken out of the SC game just by the, the score. He ended up with 13 carries, which... I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but shouldn't he be like a 20, maybe 25 carry guy? Maybe 25 is too much, but 20 anyway? Oh, I think you're 100% right. And I honestly think that's been a huge issue for Washington State through these three games is Max Borgie not touching the ball enough. Um, Even against USC, I think he got 
10 touches in the first half and only three in the second. And, and that score, I mean, there was a time where you know, you're within a touchdown or even two, and you can lean on a guy like Max Borgie because you alluded to against Utah State. He's kind of a big hitter, right? I mean, he'll rip off a 67-yard run if you give him enough touches at some point. I think for Washington State to be successful, they have to lean on Max Borgie and Deion McIntosh. So far through this year, they haven't committed to it. you know. And I think the run and shoot under Nick Rolovich and OC Brian Smith, they want to have balance, but it obviously leans towards being more pass-heavy. Uh, in this scenario, I just don't think you have the horses uh, to be able to throw the football consistently, both quarterback-wise and then you know receiver-wise. They're pretty thin on the outside, also. So when you got a guy like Max Borgie, you know he's got to touch the ball, and Dion McIntosh is a close second as far as uh, skill level. So those two guys, I think, if the backs for Washington State have 30 plus touches, carries, or catches, uh, I think Washington State can win this football game. Yeah, and you look at it too, the Utes have suffered a major injury up front defensively, and uh, they had the Bell with San Diego State, they were a run offense, and he had some success. BYU-Algier was just, I think, under 100. So they've been, they didn't have a big uh, per carry, but anyway, they've been able to move the ball against them on the ground, which is somewhat of a surprise. So... I would think that they would come out and run it, uh, uh, Washington State. But I don't know about Rolovich, though. Is it, would he make the commitment that he needs to make to be able to do that? Well, so far, again, through three games this year, you haven't really seen it. Last year, you know, they came out in week one against Oregon State, and Dion McIntosh rushed for almost 150 yards. Right. He rushed for almost 100 yards against Oregon. They were, you know, they were pretty committed to it against Utah again in 2020 until Utah uh, really blew the doors off in the second half. But so I think it is in his DNA to do it. I just I'm not honestly sure why it hasn't happened this year. And to be fair, you know, Rolo's not necessarily calling the plays. Brian Smith is, but the the. I think for them to be successful, as you alluded to, you know, this Utah defense is having its struggles right now um, and is not nearly the unit we have seen it be in, pa- in the past years. And so for Washington State, they have to control the football. And, and you know, whether the Utah offense has caught its stride under Cam Rising or not, you know, uh, we'll see. But I think Washington State has to have more of a ball control mentality than trying to throw it all over the yard. So USC obviously presents problems, but uh, Utah doesn't have London at wide receiver. So, you know, there's that. But they do have Kincaid and Keithy at tight end, and those guys can make plays. Can the Washington State defense match up with those guys and handle tight ends? It's a good question. You know, Washington State's defense, in all honesty, throughout this year, you know, I feel like they've played pretty well. Against Utah State, they played really well. and just got kind of worn down at the end by tempo, right? And that's something we've seen, I think we'll see from Utah State throughout this season, them due to teams. But, um, you know, they and against USC, again, they played pretty well other than once they started chucking the ball up to Drake London, who's a tough matchup for anybody. Um, and so, you know, I think what's Utah's going to look at is where USC had some success is both with Drake London and a couple other wide receivers, they ran them kind of down the middle of the field and created matchups on their on Washington State's linebackers. Um, and that would be where Kincaid and Kiki fit in, obviously, uh, when you're watching tape. And so I think Washington State, Washington State will address that issue because so, it was so glaring against USC. But it does lend you to believe that, you know, those tight ends can be tough matchups for Washington State's linebackers who are veterans 
and talented players, but physically they're not in the same category as, as those two tight ends, in my opinion. So I think that's a place for you know Utah to be able to exploit Washington State. But I will say that the safety position and kind of the nickel position for Washington State is a strength. Armani Marsh at the nickel spot is a really smart, savvy player, veteran. Um, uh, Daniel Isom at the safety position is, is same same spot. So if they get those guys involved, I think that'll help. But then, of course, once you do that, it opens up opportunities on for guys on the outside potentially, and you know that will be where Utah will have to prove if they have the guys you know to take advantage. I'm interested to see what Utah can do in the run game against the Cougars because you look at SC with Graham Harrell, they're a throw-first offense. They bring in Dart off the bench, and he's throwing the ball like crazy, and he's got an old-world receiver. We already talked about him with London. So it made sense to do that, but that's not who the Utes are, and they're more, you know, want to run the ball and then use that to set up with the pass and all that stuff. So you didn't get a really good feel defensively uh, on what Washington State would do against a run team? How do you think they would fare against the Utes who usually want to run the ball? I think Washington State in the front seven will be pretty stout. You know, because USC, although Graham's been a, you know, it it is a version of the air raid. The, the, you know, USC being kind of running back U has forced him to try and run the football. And so he tried. He tried to run the football with, you know, Malapai and, and some of those guys. I mean, they, they have good backs, and Washington State really shut it down. Um, and so even against Utah State, you know, they got a few chunk plays. But for, for the most part, I think the front seven for Washington State is strong against the run. And like you're saying, if, you know, if Utah's going to commit to that and Washington State can stop it, well, now it, it limits that playbook a little bit for Andy Ludwig. So I, I'm going to be really intrigued. The one thing that I know Coach Ludwig does really well is he's going to scheme some things up that's going to put pressure on Washington State moving sideline to sideline and then trying to hit then trying to hit things downhill. Um, so we'll see because against Utah State, wh- who gets people spread out and goes sideline to sideline, Washington State got worn out. So I'll be interested to see if Coach Ludwig in his own system tries to do something similar. It doesn't get that much run because, well, quarterback, offensive line, running back, defensive line, you know, the Utes have had issues in different spots. But the Utes special teams, which used to be very good, have not been good. And Kyle has addressed it. Two kickoff returns for touchdowns, a deflected punt. Uh, They've missed extra points and field goals, and we're only three games in. That's a pretty long list. How is Wazoo in the special teams, and can they take advantage of the Utes there? You know, they, they're they good. Uh, Terrell Harris, uh, it, the kick returner, is one of the best in the country. I mean, he's been uh, around for years. He's, he's got a great kickoff return average, has, has returned one in his career for a touchdown and gotten close a couple other times. So he'll put pressure for sure on that kick, kickoff unit uh, for Utah. Washington State replaced uh, a punt, their punter and kicker from last year. were both great players. Um, so far, punting-wise, it's been consistent, nothing spectacular solid um and in the kicking game again pretty consistent missed a couple uh missed a field goal early in the year against utah state but otherwise been pretty solid and so i think washington state's solid no glaring issues you know one of the things you'll find with stuff teams is you never really know you have a problem until <laughs> until it happens right i think that's where coach whittingham is kind of probably looking you know shaking his head a little bit because of how solid they have been and then you know guys whether it's schematically or effort wise or just or just flat out players not making plays uh, all of a sudden things start popping up and you got to you got to address them how fun is it going to be to play a day game not in the rain yeah it's going to be a little bit of a i mean it's going to be probably a change for these these kids a little bit right it's pretty early 
you know, the weather was not good in, in Pullman last week. Um, and then there's the late kick versus Utah State. So I think in the end it's going to be a nice change. I know for me personally it makes for a little bit easier travel than those late kicks. I know from the youth's perspective, if they lose this and they're one and three, I mean, all the complaining and uh, and pain and gnashing of teeth we've heard, it's, it's going to double down and triple down. Is it going to feel the same way if Washington State loses this? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there's I mean, there's obviously a lot of other outside noise, right? That the program's experiencing around Nick Rolovich, so you start adding on-field pressure <laughs> onto that. Uh, that snowballs real quick, and so um, I think right now you look at it and you say, hey, you lost a tough one to, to Utah State, kind of late is what it is. Utah State's clearly a much better team than they were in 2020. Uh, you beat up on Portland State, who you're supposed to beat up on. You lose to USC, who probably going into the year, most people expected you to lose to USC, um, even though you had a good half of football against them. You know, So beating Utah on the road rights, rights some of those wrongs, kind of get you back in, in the right spot. Um, but losing to Utah now, all of a sudden, those things really start. It start you start wondering kind of how far it slides if you lose to Utah at this point in the season. Well, Alex, we appreciate a few minutes. You enjoy the eighty degrees temperatures and the sunshine sure. because who knows when yeah. you'll get those two things again. <laughs> Absolutely, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Alex Brink, Washington State football radio analyst, join us right here on ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone. Pretty early in the year for high stakes, PK, but neither team wants any part of one and three. Well, I think every game is high stakes, though. Um, yeah, you're right, but you can go down every single conference game coming up. It's just gigantic. That's the whole nature of conference games. And they so much right now, early in the season, obviously every earlier in the season, you want to get off to that good start in conference. You want to get some momentum. Now it's more of a dire situation for Utah, something they literally haven't been in in many, many years. And now they find themselves in this. And it's just one victory can change so much. I think they're going to get it. And the mood in the program Saturday afternoon around 4 o'clock is just going to be so much better. So much better. Yeah. You just need to walk off the field with a win. It just feels different. They don't play that many games. That's why the games are high stakes. Mm -hmm. They need that vibe. They need to go into their new locker room and sing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get all that energy. yeah, 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 yeah. They haven't sung now in a while. And then, then we'll hear about the bye week comes at the perfect time, and they got two weeks to get ready for USC, which I'm going to be sitting here saying what a huge game it is again. To your point of the conference games, they're usually huge games. For one reason or another, you can draw something out of it. Yeah, and they'll be 1-0. and they're, All they're going to be talking about is 1-0. and They're not going to be talking about 1-0. <laughs> How talk many times about, will Kyle say that? Yeah, yeah, that's what they're going to talk about. They're going to spin it and try to get everybody that's thinking funny. in that direction and that mindset. And they're going to be one and zero. We're one and zero. We're one and zero. Yeah, absolutely. That's ex- precisely what they're going to say, and they're going to say it repeatedly. And I don't have any problem with them saying it. And then they're going to regroup for a week. And Kyle's going to say, "Well, if you add it up, we started in August, and here we are at the end of uh, September." So it's like, you know, you just play all these mind games, like whatever. Whenever the the buy is the buy, whenever the buy is, that's when it is. So what? Just make the best of it. Don't don't try to sell me something. It doesn't need to be sold. That's why I hate when people try to sell me something that doesn't need to be sold. Because if it's right, it speaks for itself. It doesn't need to be sold. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He'll be on the Ute game this week. He's on the Colorado game last week. And, of course, he's next to Brent Musburger when Brent is screaming, Jackpot, baby! He'll join us 
Lincoln Kennedy, 905. Half an hour away, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State. Obviously, all of us are looking at your quarterback right now, wondering how his health is and what the potential is for him to play in the upcoming weeks. Oh, he'll play. He took a tough shot. He really did. and He could have probably played, but just didn't feel like he could be very effective. And Andrew came in and did a phenomenal job, obviously, with his legs and made some big throws to help us win that thing. But I think he'll practice without a problem. He'll be sore, but would expect on game day that he's ready to go completely. He's tough and he's been beat up before. I think uh, just that particular night, the back was just at a point where he just didn't feel like he could be as effective as Andrew was and and he told us, Coach, I I think he's got a better chance of getting us through. I just don't think I can turn on the ball like I need to. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Thank you, Mark Miller Subaru. Absolutely. Knowing what we know after three games, what are the records of the local college football teams going to be? How is this going to play out? Your predictions are welcome now. In terms of storylines, I love where we're at. Because we got good, bad, and I don't know, not sure. You know, it looks like BYU is going to have a really good season. Utah State has the potential. Utah 1 and 2. Where's this thing going? And, and in a sense, this is a new ground for Utah. It literally is because they're always 3-0. and Right? And so they're always going into conference play with all sorts of momentum. And two years ago when we had a real conference season, we didn't have one last year, obviously. Their first game was against SC, and they lose. They somewhat startling fashion. Third string quarterback, the Rat Fink, Matt Fink, coming off the bench because Daniels was down. Slovis goes down. He throws those passes. Those NFL guys catch him, and Kyle says, "They're not going to go undefeated. We'll be fine, man. No one's going undefeated. We can win the rest of our games." And they did. That was way cool. And now we're zero and zero. They faced adversity two years ago, and they rolled. Now I can hear people screaming through the radio. Look at the team they had. They had eight guys in the defense that went to the NFL. They had the career-leading rusher. Yeah, I got it. So it was more of a – I was sure two years ago they were going to have a really good season, even if they didn't win the division. Right. What Kyle left out when he said that was SC had to lose twice. And you knew the Oregon game. Okay. They can lose that I think game. Washington got them. Yeah. And somebody well, else has got to get them. And Washington did. And so then they were good to go. And they, they beat the eight teams they had to beat. Yeah. And got them the title game. But, what but they had a got, great team that year. What they've got going for them now is this team doesn't look anywhere near as great as that team. Nope. But this division doesn't look anywhere as near as good as that division. Uh, was that division SC's good? SC's already got a loss. If you well, can, yeah, but that, okay, but that means they already got a loss, so the sense of urgency is going to be even greater. Right, but if you get them, you're two games up in the loss column with the tiebreaker. If you go beat them, yeah, you really control that. If you beat them, you're going to win the division. Woohoo! Most likely, almost every year, especially when the ball game's down there. Where? 
Oh, down air. I didn't mean down air, but now you said down air. Yeah, down air. I, I don't know why, but that cracks me up. What I was thinking is that means you have another home game here, and it's not SC, so it should be easier. You know, if you get them down air. Still got to get UCLA, ASU, see if these teams can But you got can, those ball clubs at home. Roll. That's good news. Exactly. So while this Utah team doesn't look anywhere near as good as that Utah it, it team. It just doesn't, no. This division... Doesn't look as good as that division. SC was the main challenger that year. SC was picked to win it this year. But Stanford did the South Division a favor by beating the Trojans. So anybody in the South can say what the Utes are saying. Well, if we beat them, we're two games up on them with a tiebreaker. I think the division this year looks better than it did in 2019, though. Uh, if you want to say that there's more average to decent teams, that could possibly be true. But there's two that, horrible teams. Yeah, but they always sucked. But there could be two horrible teams and four but you always B- minus beat teams. You always beat yeah, them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you're always going 2-0 and against the Arizona and Colorado most of the time. So you could argue that UCLA is better than they were two years ago. They, no, they most definitely are. And ASU is probably about the same as they were no, two I years think ago. No, no, you, you were starting a fresh. No, oh, you think you were starting a fresh. Both teams were starting freshman, first year freshman quarterbacks. Right. Come on. But there is more to football than that. Well, and UCLA, I agree with you. UCLA is taking steps forward. If ASU is going to jump offside four times in the same drive, you can have whatever NFL sure, if, first if round that, pick at yeah. the wide receiver spot, and the quarterback is obviously they're more still better. Okay, they're still better at the top. SC and Utah they didn't play better Saturday, and at the top, got S- me there. SC and Utah don't look as good as they did. Yeah, but you're, you're not playing yourself. You do have to battle that other <laughs> team though, and it doesn't look as hard as it did. Although SC uh, won it that year, and we'll see if they win it this year. They didn't win it the, two years ago. The thing is, oh, they won, they the, won game. the game. That's what I was referencing. Yes, they won the game. I don't, the know, thing that, is, I don't know that SC's not as good as they were two years ago. Okay, but is, no matter how much Slovis was a freshman, Ratfink was a third team. Okay, but no matter how much we try to wrap this in sunshine, the goal is to win the conference, and the division is the first step. So I don't want to underestimate it because you got to win the division or you're not in the conference title game. But right now, Oregon, which looked like a push in a good game. Okay, so what? That's your goal, and so yeah. you finish uh, nine and three. Eh, 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 come on, man! That's a great season. You're probably ranked, and especially nine and three at a one and two start. You got them going eight and one. Who's wee wee in on that? Well, I just don't think they're going nine and three. I would, I, I would not wee wee on that. But you got to go at eight and one, and I know they got to play Oregon. And Oregon's still way but down. But you just told me SC isn't as good. You just told me <laughs> ASU isn't as good, and you just told me UC Los Angeles isn't but as good. But just because you've got a toss up or maybe a slight edge in four or five games doesn't mean you win them all. Are you going to go four and one in those five? Are you going to go three and two? They start the conference two and zero. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. If they start 2-0. They're fired the freak up. I agree. (laughs) And so those other teams. What if they're 2-3 and 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 1-1? Sort of running in place a little bit. Let's see what that complexion of that game is. Yeah. Down air. Where? Down air. I like it. Yeah. They battle the Trojans and the Trojans make a play or two. That's sports, man. So Utah State, did you just undersell them there? You want to back up and reanalyze that? Coming off 1-7, and seven, 
Talk seven, to me, seven and five. Talk to me lunchtime Saturday. Which anybody who's reasonable about In fact, this. let's go out to lunch. We'll talk about it. <laughs> you buy. Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> We're busy Saturday until four, and then you got a bike ride. You already covered that for us. You have no time for me Saturday. No, we could go <laughs> to a place that's a sports bar that has a TV and watch the game. Oh, the like second that. half of the game. Where are we going? And you buy me lunch. Where are we going? Like you name it. As long as it's something high class. <laughs> you can have a sports bar. You can have a glass. How many places have multiple big screen TVs and then linens and all your fine china? And your, your house. Courses? Your house. You, you have not been Your house. house. Like, you're right, because you don't ever freaking invite me. The, whereas you've the been cats, inside my the shack. Cats, the cats. Are, you do not live in a shack. You have been inside <laughs> my shack. You do not. I have not been inside you not. your Current shack. Spacious. You have, abode. you have not been in the current shack. You have been in the other shack. And you don't live in a shack. Stop it. Well, I, a, I do. But knowing me and my proclivity, we call it Love Shack. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Tim! Are you rusted? Rusted. <laughs> How's that, Yawk? Is that better? Heading down the Atlanta Highway to play Georgia in the national title game. <laughs> so, that's the whole point. Here we are going back and forth, back and forth on these things. I think and that's the beauty I, I of just, it. What, what is the word that you attach to Utah State? I thought you undersold it. What do you mean? I think Utah State, this is a great story. One and seven from the ashes. Seven wins right now, to me, seems like the absolute minimum. Yeah, but they're not going to be satisfied with seven wins. I totally agree with that. So what, I but think, I think what Niner, level of success are they going to have? Yes. Yes. But I'm not willing to go nine wins just yet. It might not happen. Totally agree. That's what's intriguing. That's what I'm saying. It's a great story. This is, yes. It's, it's hard to believe it could be a better story than BYU. I think BYU is going to be the better team having the better season, but that could just be the bias that I had built in in August before I'd seen any of, well, ever seen Blake coach or seen any of his 18 transfers go out there and tear it up. After watching that offense struggle last year, the thought that they have two quarterbacks who can perform at a high level <laughs> Best case scenario, Utah State fans. <laughs> it's like hey, they the only team they moved the ball against. Maybe I'm missing a game, but I think the only team they moved the ball against last year was New Mexico. Right. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, it was pathetic. It right. didn't even look like a college. And now, team. hey, Bonner's out. Just start chucking seventy yard touchdown passes and breaking off sixty yard runs. What's the big deal? They didn't even look like they could beat New Mexico Military Institute last year. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I follow Blake Anderson. I mean, because I have a little bit having at a grandmother's wife's grandmother, and, all and even if you didn't, you could look and, it up and and, see. and also too that position as the head coach of Arkansas State has been a springboard. Gus Malzahn, uh, uh, Harson, right, and those guys were there for a short time. His record is probably better than it and, looks on paper because they have to play multiple money well, games. Yeah, but that's why you that's why you look conference. Right. Yes. I the other I I get I don't even get pay attention to that the non-conference. Stuff. Yeah, you just games. look at conference. Right. Last year wasn't or the year before wasn't good. Uh, but other than that, well, not last year wasn't good. But uh, before that, they had uh, a whole bunch of successful seasons in in conference when things are more equal. And that's what that's the way you judge that stuff is what they do on a more level playing field. And I knew he was a good coach, and he's so far so good, absolutely. Uh, but Mm, let, let's let's 
I, f- I really feel like we'll get a great indication of the legitimacy of greatness. Not goodness, greatness. Because if they beat Boise, then it's legitimate potential for greatness. BYU is going to roll this year. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, now I don't think Jaron Hall is going to play Saturday, but I don't think that it matters. I think they'll be just fine with with Romney. And they'll go out there and they'll beat Charlie Weiss Jr., who's the offensive coordinator for the Bulls. Did you know that? I did not. Charlie Weiss Jr.? Yeah. Charlie Weiss, my guy, he grew up in the town right next to where I lived in Persephone. Booten. That's two miles away. And uh, his son is the uh, OC there. So I think obviously they're going to go to 4 0 and sets up. I, I really would love two 4 0 teams in a couple of weeks. Best case scenario, I would have, I would have bet everything I owned that you wouldn't have had two four no teams on an in-state game. That's why I don't bet. That's why we love our unscripted <laughs> drama. That's, That's why I don't bet, is. man. That's why I do not bet. It's a, it's a gamble, and I ain't gambling, gambling on, anything. No, with my money, I'm going to Trajan Wealth. <laughs> What? I'm a company guy. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> That's T R A J A N. As you know, 899 yeah, you, sh- you got bonuses. Shoot that over, big guy. Get you off got, my back. You got bonuses built in for product placement during the show, the number of clients you can I've reference. I've got bonuses a built in discussion. each time I speak the truth. <laughs> okay. I get a buck a page view at KSL, uh-huh. and here. I set records when I write that stuff, man. And it goes over there. And oh. I know Scotty's laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ PK. He says, let's go. I don't want to go. I want to stay. We'll be back in about five minutes. Okay. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's going to join us in 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. As I consider what Kalani was talking about, that they're trying to not necessarily reinvent anything. They just want to do things better. That's how you have a great season. Keying in on what you can do to be better for this next week. Not keying in on what happened last week or the week before. And when you play South Florida and the Cougars are, what, a 23-point favorite, the last thing the Cougars want is to lose to a team they're better than. I would guess that the coaches are showing them their mistakes on film and saying, you're certainly playing good football and winning the game, but got to get this block, got to run this route, whatever the That's what we're going to find out this weekend, whether they let up or whether they're powering forward. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in The Zone Sports Network. Join the Big Show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. (laughs) Boom. Boom! The replies are rolling in, and some of them don't make all that much sense, PK. No reply at all. Genesis, old school. Ben Jorgensen says the Utes are going to go 8-4. and four. That's 7-2 and two in conference. Assume that means lose to Oregon and one other time. Right now, I think a lot of you fans that sign off on that. 7-2? and two? Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, all things considered... Could win the division. With a bunch of players scheduled to return next year? I think I would take that right now, yes. I think a lot of you fans would sign off on that. Utah State, nine wins, three losses. 
three, huh? Means going six and three from here on out. That ain't getting it done. Ain't getting what done? The division? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one of the losses could be a non-league game to BYU. Okay. So that yeah, would leave true. them at uh, six and two. That may or may not get it done, but it probably wouldn't. You're right. Yeah, I want to see what that Boise does. If Boise comes out and just smokes them, then that's a whole other story. BYU, 12 wins, one loss. I don't know where they get the 13th game. I don't know if there's a typo in there. Could be fat thumbs. Maybe they met 11 and 1. Hard to pick a bowl game. You don't know who they're playing. Doesn't matter. If you're that good, who cares? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So who's the loss? USC or the bowl game? uh, There you go to the usual suspects there. I think you got to put right now, it's the two, the three power five teams in uh, Utah State or Boise. Right? Virginia, Baylor, probably not Wazoo off what we've seen. I'm not counting that as a loss, no. Yeah. No, I'm not. That'd be crazy if they lost to Utah State and then won out. <laughs> the Aggies were the one and 11 and one. That's the reverse of the year that they won one basketball game. Yes. <laughs> and it was Utah State. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was a, was a 96, I think, somewhere in there. Uh, I think it's a possibility of only one loss. I mean, why not? That would that would just be incredible. Jameson went with ten and two, but he's got the youths at seven and five and USU at eight and four. Ten and two is really good too. Absolutely, we're playing seven. They got seven to- power fives, mm-hmm. and you go ten and two. We're going to go to the schedule again. That's the beauty of it. That's one reason I want to see. I mean, I love Kalani. Everybody does, and so I would love to see them. But it varies whole schedule argument. Yeah, and, and no, yeah, you're gonna go two years in a row. Yeah, yeah, it was a schedule we gave you last year. Yeah, but it was seven power fives. Yeah, so, plus Boise no, State no, they, and a resurgence. But those Utah power State. fives were good this year. <laughs> <laughs> Florida athletic director just had a quote about uh, they've got it. He said, "I've said for a long time we have to schedule power fives." He says, "I don't think that's true anymore." He says, "There are clearly power five teams that aren't that good, and there are clearly teams that are not in the power five that are good." Now well, that's, that's something we've the case. I know we've said that forever, <laughs> but it's surprising to hear an SEC athletic director say it. I don't think they've said it forever, and that's not the bottom of the SEC saying it. That's Florida, but that's, that's clearly obvious. the top third of the SEC. You, you see, yeah, that but they don't want to admit NFL rosters. Agreed. There's plenty of guys from the Mountain West and so forth, and all those things. Right, AAC. It's not that unusual. Yeah. They got dozens. If you combine them all. So, um, come on. That's not that. I don't think that's a, that's sunrise in the east to me. No kidding. I've watched enough non-Power 5 football over the years to know that. To see good power. Yeah, to see good football. All right, DJ and PK coming up next. It's Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's calling the Ute game with Washington State on Saturday. And then he'll have the Raider game. We'll talk with him next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're joined now by Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He is on the Smart Rain guest line. Best of State Award winner, Smart Rain, having an end-of-season sale on the Irrigation Smart Controller. Save 50% off each Smart Controller purchase. Offer available to all Commercial Property Zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Lincoln, good morning. 
Good morning, gentlemen. What do you guys got going on up there? You got quarterbacks walking off the field and <laughs> quitting. What do, what do you guys doing up there? Well, huh? we've got. I want to get to that with you because uh, I've been uh, I've been stalking you. I've been cyber stalking you, Lincoln. Oh my goodness! Yes, you help me understand what's going on. I there don't live are... in Salt Lake. I don't live in the, in Utah, and you guys got some stuff going on we... other than, other than it being a dry season, a drought, stuff like that. What, there you go. what are you guys doing to the quarterbacks up there? All right, so. You call Raider games, which air on our station. I happen to be in the car, and I want to congratulate you for being a fine analyst and being quiet during the big moments and not wrecking the highlight. Oh, he's a pro. He's a pro. I got in my car like 40 seconds before the ball went over the top of the rugs and Brent screaming jackpot, and a most broadcaster would be some ex-jock in the background. Oh! Oh! Ah! You know, but no, not you. I was like, that's my guy Lincoln. Disciplined. I like it. It really does make for a better broadcast. He well, talks when he talks, you talk when you talk. I can actually make sense of what's going on as opposed to two guys screaming over each other. I'm like, well, something exciting happened. Hopefully they'll explain it later when they calm down. Right. Well, you got to act like you've been there before, right? <laughs> right. So the, the fact is, is that there was there was one instance with, when the, the touchdown, there, there, was a, there was a touchdown pass to Brian Edwards, and I was looking at I was looking at Brent when I was saying, are you going to say jackpot? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, they just scored a touchdown. You're not going to say jackpot? And so we were quiet at that point, and of course it was called back by a penalty, but uh, but but I was like I'm, I'm waiting for you to do your thing. I'm just going to lay out and let you do your thing. But other times it's it, it's it's there where you know, like you said, you got to act like you've been there before. Yep. <laughs> so I was also watching you because I flipped on the Colorado Minnesota game, Pac-12 oh curiosity, and all that. And you went after Colorado's O line. I was under the distinct impression you were not impressed. And I wonder uh, if watching film for the Utes, if you were not impressed with their offensive line play. Well, also. you know what, I expected more out of the Utes offensive line. No, I was not impressed by Colorado's offensive line because I expected better of them. Um, they could not maintain the integrity of the line of scrimmage. They gave up so much. Um, but with the Utes offensive line in the last couple of games, I, I you know, I had, a, I had a chance of covering them against Weber State. I thought highly of them going into the season. It's like, oh my goodness, I think they're going to be good. You know, they've always been notoriously, uh, historically, uh, Utes have always had big guys up front and good offenses, a pretty solid offensive line. This, you know, the last two games, I've seen them take a step backwards. And I'm not really sure why. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like I still think Utah is good enough to win the South. Um, I think they are challenging for that, and I think once you get in the league play, obviously this week starting with Wazoo, um, that, that they'll, they'll be able to showcase that. But, you know, going up against BYU, going up against San Diego State, I was just curious to why they, they, they seem to take a couple steps backwards. They weren't as solid as they were before. And I know they've been playing around with it with a few guys here and there and stuff like that. So we're waiting to see if they've got the chemistry right. But look, guys, when it comes to offensive line play, you want to have five guys who've been, been together, played together, suffered together, you know, wins, losses, and everything else, um, play with that sort of cohesiveness and continuity. You can't just – it's not interchangeable parts. You know, Minnesota has a pretty special thing when they were playing Colorado because they've got they, – they feel they've got eight offensive linemen that can start at any time. So they've got a rotation. But they use it more – they use their rotation more of a, as a jumble package – where they, they'll send in extra offensive linemen who, who serve as tight ends or eligible receivers just to solidify the run game. Um, Utah doesn't have that necessarily uh, a, a, a circumstance, um, but you know, to me it's one of those things where you're scratching your head like, why aren't these guys better than they were? So maybe they turn it around this week against Wazoo. 
Yeah, obviously Rising came in and gave him a lift off the bench. Certainly. You know, I've been around this program. I've been around him to an extent a little bit, and I've always felt like the kids got swag. The players voted him captain. I thought they should have started him. Uh, you want, at least with him, he was a transfer, too, from Texas, yeah. but he came over as a freshman. Right. These guys who come in just for the basically the one and done, they're not really part of the program. They're just here to to showcase their skills and maybe get a look at, at the NFL. And and we see after three games, he gets benched and boom, he's gone. So he can transfer and try again someplace else. They had it last year with Bentley. I guess it's just the way of the world, and I can complain about it, though, but it, it's probably not going to change, is it? I'm, I've never been a fan of the transfer portal. Um, even when, uh, way back when, um, the last time I did a lot of college football, they had the, the graduate transfers. It, to me, it's amateur free agency. It's nothing more than modern amateur free agency um, because they, they still consider these guys amateurs, whatever. Anyways, um, long story short, uh, I think that there are a lot of guys out there who cannot deal with adversity. When they go to a place, you know, they're promised, you look, when you're being recruited, because I've been through the process, they they make it seem like the game can't go on at our university without you. There's no way that we can compete if we don't have you. They make you seem like you are the greatest thing since sliced bread. And when you go to a place and then you find that, you know what, hey, there are other guys in front of you, there are probably some guys that are behind you or coming in with you that are going to try to compete for the same starting position, you have one or two options. Well, now it's more so one option because guys are transferring. Oh, my goodness. I'm not the starting quarterback. I'm leaving. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it is the way of the world right now because, you know, no one can really seem to deal with adversity or, or, or try to, you know what, okay, this guy thinks he's as good as me. Let me beat him out. Now, when you're talking about the quarterback situation for the youths, it wasn't the fact that, you know, it, you know, they made a decision after fall camp. They said it was a close battle. But now that Brewer's been demoted, he comes out, he's being replaced. You know, he's like, oh, you know what, I can't do this. I'm leaving. Just, that's, that's weak to me. Yeah. That really is. It, it really is weak to me. I, I wish that there were more people that would stand in and fight the fight rather than just, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, but but it is the way of the world, as you as you mentioned, and unfortunately, I just don't think that you know many kids. It's not just here; it's it's everywhere. It's, right. it, it's with every sport because you see with basketball, college basketball, you see with college football, guys are just jumping ship trying to go somewhere because they think they have a a leg up to start somewhere else. Well, as you prep for these youth games, and you've already had two here in the first four, you'll probably have more later this year. Yeah, uh, thank you. Talk to Makai. <laughs> yeah, right. Talk to Makai Bernard because there's a running back who could have left. There are times it looked like, yeah. wow, he's how's he ever going to get on the field? Um, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, crazy things happen. Obviously, the ultimate tragedy with Ty Jordan. Uh, but you know, Bernard's out there, and he could have easily hit the transfer portal. So. You can talk with him and get a get a different perspective, I think. So as you watch this Utah-Washington State game, we're watching it early in the game. What's the number one thing you were watching to see who's going to win it? A battle of one and two teams and just trying to get back to 500 and get a little momentum. Well, I mean, for Utah, there, there are high expectations because I think they're good enough to challenge for the South. For Wazoo, it's trying to right the ship. Because right now you've got so much controversy surrounding your head coach, and the fact that you know you jump out 
to a double-digit lead on on USC, and then you end up losing, getting smashed, um, uh, you know, by a backup quarterback. It's anyone's guess what's going on with Wazoo. So, you know, when I look at this game, I'm looking to see who responds after an, a loss, after you take an L. Um, because, you know, I don't, think, I, I don't think Wazoo has really the staying power definitely to compete in the, in the pack or, or to compete in the, in the, in the, in the north um, because they just haven't figured it out. I mean, I, I, thought, I thought better of this team when I watched them play Portland State, just like I thought better of the Utes when I watched them play um, uh, against, uh, you know, against Weber State. I know it's Weber State and I know it's Portland State, but it is what it is. It's it, their games. So now that you get into conference play, I think Utah is in a better position than uh, say Wazoo because you know Wazoo lost a, not only a conference game but Wazoo lost a game in certain circumstances where they didn't show up in the second half and and it's hard to rebound from that um, especially when you have to go on the road and take on a Utah. The North sucked a couple weeks back and then last week the South sucked and you talk about Utah being in it you can look at it a couple of ways well they're in it to, to possibly win the thing in the South because of the fact that they're pretty good or, gosh, everybody sucks, and so why wouldn't <laughs> they be in it? You know what I mean? There's, yeah. I, I don't know which way to go. We'll, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks. But right now, as I look at the South, I, I suppose outside of Arizona and Colorado, and I think whoever wins that game, that might be their only win in conference. Right. I think that any of those other four teams could finish first. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure what to expect from teams like UCLA or Arizona State. Um, I think USC, for the most part, is still in a quandary because the coaching decision leaves a sort of a flux where you've got guys in that locker room who are looking to other places rather than looking or focusing on the objective at hand, and that's winning. And so I, I still have to see a little bit more sample size to know what, what we can expect from USC. Look, USC always has talent. It's never been a question of whether they have talent. It's whether or not that they can they can put it together and, and make a great team out of it. Um, so I, I think the South is still up in the air. And that's why I, I still think the solid foundation that is that Utah has, that Coach Winningham has, is is probably the best um, uh, the best of product to, to maybe excel and, and separate themselves from the rest of the South. So turn to the pro game. The Raiders are 2-0, and and they're getting a backup quarterback. Does that matter that much? Do you think they were solid favorites? You felt pretty comfortable, or you don't feel comfortable no matter oh, who the Dolphins quarterback I mean, yeah, is? Yeah, you, right? don't, you don't underestimate a, backup, a, a team, even with a backup quarterback, because, look, what Miami is more known for, rather than their offense, as Jacoby Brissett, their quarterback, is the fact that they've got a defense. And they've got a quarterback or a coach who's a coordinator who's who's been creative with his defensive style. And look, last year when these two teams played, I think the Raiders, uh, I want to say they did six field goals. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. It was quite a few field goals because they struggled once they got in the red zone. Um, Miami's defense uh, hunkered down. So you know, for what it's worth, when it comes to the Raiders, I know that they're two and all. I know that Derek Carr has had a, a pretty good season so far, but they really don't have a running game. Their offensive line is patched up, you know, kind of put together um, due to injuries and stuff like that. So 
they're really one-dimensional. And once you get in the red zone, because that area is condensed and, and cut short, it's harder to score in that area. So, you know, this is not a team. I, I think the Raiders are a team that have to score touchdowns in order to be successful. Their defense is playing better. Don't get me wrong. Their defense is playing a lot better than it has in shoes many years uh, I can remember but um, this is still a team that you can't underestimate uh, and, and, and don't be don't be surprised if Miami comes in and tries to establish the, the run to keep the Raiders on their heels more importantly put the pressure on their offense to have to pass down the field to keep up hey, I said last week you know I thought Carr was really rounding into the top of his game and watching him last week I mean I think even more so I, mean, I might get, I'm still going to go with Mahomes but yeah. in the AFC uh, to, to me, so far, and it's just a small sample, but I mean, Carr's looking as good as anybody, although I do acknowledge what you're saying. The absence of a running game does have a concern for me. Yeah, because teams are going to start figuring out things. So, you know, the way that I kind of put it into perspective is that the Raiders are using the short passing game and sideline to sideline passing game, much like Oregon did back in the day where they were going sideline to sideline of the high temple. They're using that as their run game. It's an extended run game where you use tunnel screens, you use, you know, flare routes, you use, you know, short out routes and stuff like that. You're using it. That, that, that is the equivalent of getting your running game started because they don't have one. Yeah. So Darren Waller famously targeted 19 times in the opener, a more yeah. reasonable seven in the second game. But is he the safety blanket? Are they going to go back to him when it really matters and the seven was just kind of a one-off? Yeah, well, here's the thing. If you recognize, if you know anything about Derek Carr, whenever he sees that he's got isolated coverage or one-on-one coverage with Darren Waller, especially when he's split out wide to either side, he's going to go to him. And especially when they have a single high safety. What Derek learned from week one to week two, for example, the Baltimore Ravens bracketed Darren Waller. And they, they, they made sure, they didn't really show it. It wasn't obvious until you look at the film. So I think that's one of the reasons why he didn't go back to him as much in the Pittsburgh game. Because he knew Pittsburgh was going to do the same thing. Mika Fitzpatrick had his eye on number 83 wherever he was on the field. And that's how he got burned by the Ruggs touchdown. Um, because he was thinking that they were going to go to Waller on that third down. Um, but I will say this, it, it's good for the Raiders, it's good for Derek Carr to be able to notice that there were other receivers on the field. And they used their 13 personnel, their three tight end personnel really well. He threw it to the other tight ends on some seam routes and some open uh, go routes and stuff like that, as well as spread the ball around with Edwards and Ruggs and so on and so forth. So that's a good sign because the Raiders do have multiple weapons. I think Derek was focused on or zeroed in on Darren Waller in week one almost to a fault. And it was fortunate enough they were able to win because there were a couple of throws that if they would have went just, just a little bit the other way, would have been turnovers, and that might have been disastrous. So um, it's good that they're spreading the ball around. And m- most definitely, I think it's good for Gruden to take notice of it because going forward, until they figure out this run game scenario or how they can get this run game going, um, he's got to spread the ball around and utilize all his other receivers. Wonder what you think of the Steelers. Obviously, they have been so good for so long. Big Ben's getting older, and are they still a legitimate contender, or they got to get through him playing it out and reload? I was over Big Ben three, four years ago, to be honest with you guys. But one thing I will tip my hat to. Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Steelers, has been a pillar of consistency. They found ways to 
win and make themselves credible. This offense for the Steelers, they don't have a running game. Okay, the offensive line, and, and my son plays for the damn team, uh, the offensive line is in, in, in serious trouble. Um, they don't have any consistency up front. They have a hard time protecting big men, uh, and they have a hard time of being able to do anything other offensively than their short passing game. And what the Raiders noticed, especially in the first half of that Steelers game, is that Ben wanted to go with stop routes, hitch routes, you know, really quick routes. And when they took that away, he really had no he, – he, it, was, it was all of a sudden became 50-50 balls. Long story short to your question, I think the Steelers' offense is in trouble. And the fact that T.J. Watt left the game with a, with a groin injury, who knows how long he's going to be out with, for. Uh, Melvin Ingram, who's replaced him, is not the same – player, impact player that T.J. Watt is. So the defense loses a little bit of their teeth. And they've got other injuries with Devin Bush, Joe Hayden, who's been playing the Raiders game. I think they are, they're still going to be competitive once they get those guys back. But in the interim, it's going to be hard for the Steelers to generate points. More importantly, it's going to be hard for the Steelers to get off the field defensively. You know, there's a uh, healthy debate raging between Bronco and Raider fans about whether Salt Lake is really a Bronco town or a Raider town. But oddly, the team that's on, not oddly, the team that's on every week is the Bucks. Both the Raiders and Broncos have not been on TV already. Is that right? The Bucks are on all the time because of Tom Brady. You're saying the, the Bucks stop here? Exactly. The oh, deep, oh, 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 gosh. <laughs> it gets worse than that, Lincoln. We try oh. to behave when you're on. There's been a lot of crimes, <laughs> crimes committed against radio in your absence, trust me. Uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, that defense, is that uh, a championship-level defense? They've given up a lot of points through two games. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, you know, it's, I've always thought in my history of playing this game, I always thought it was a crime that the quarterback and the head coach get way too much praise when things go right and way too much blame when things go wrong. It's a team game. You know, you can't, you can't convince me that Tampa could go into Green Bay the quarterback can throw three interceptions and still walk out of there with a win if they didn't have a good defense. Defense is one. The defense won last year's Super Bowl for him. I know what Brady did with the touchdowns he threw. Okay, I get it. And I know where he's at. I'm not trying to take away from his shine. But the thing is that stands apart, especially with that team when I look at them, is the fact that their front four can get pressure. They can generate pressure with the guys up front. They don't have to blitz. And then the fact is the, the, the overall scheme of that defense negates a lot of things offensively that you can do. And that's, that's what took away from the Kansas City Chiefs last year. You know, but even Patrick Mahomes trying to extend plays with his legs, you know, he threw one pass where he hit one of his guys in, in the face mask, and he dropped it. I mean, <laughs> you can't sit there and tell me that that was Brady's doing or, you know, that was, that, was a, the, that offense. But So, I, you know, when it comes down to it, I think that it is a championship-caliber defense. And one thing I would definitely tip my hat for to, and unfortunately have to, is the fact that they were able to keep their entire team together. And uh, after winning a Super Bowl, I don't remember if that's ever been done before. You know what I mean? And so, you know, they, they, they had, they're coming back and they're just as strong as ever. And, look, if they don't lose this week against the Rams, I have a hard time figuring out when they're going to drop one. They could very well go through the season unscathed. Wow, I got the schedule in front of you, and I had not considered that until you said it in a quick scan. I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Somebody will probably get them, but... Well, somebody probably will. But I mean, still, yeah, But yeah. at the same point, Brady and the Patriots went uh, undefeated until they, what, faced the Giants in the Super Bowl? 
Yep, it could happen. All right, we'll leave it right there. Lincoln, we appreciate it. We will see you on the uh, Ute game on Saturday afternoon, and then we'll hear you on the Raider game after that. I certainly appreciate it. And and in the interim, tell your fans up there in Utah that I'm sorry they're not seeing anything other than Bucks games. (laughs) (laughs) It's the NFL. Come on, you're seeing you got six games a week you can see before you even buy the ticket. So yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's why the Bucks keep ending up there in all these primetime games. All right, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. All right, guys, be well. Talk to you soon. All right, DJ and PK. Bucks and Rams this week, and then the Bucks to the Sunday night game the week after that. Keep, well, they play keep that making that sure. Uh, New England, so they made that oh, a Sunday night home. game. Yeah. yeah, so to speak. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. BYU welcomes South Florida to Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Saturday. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game. And then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 6. With the postgame show starting immediately following the game on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Obviously, it's something that we don't want to necessarily do. There was things said to him and Brittany that you don't see on the clip, but he's been good at not trying to respond to that stuff. He takes a lot, and he's usually pretty good at it, and he'll learn from it and uh, just try to stay away from those people as best he can. It's absolutely give a platform to people who have no idea what they're talking about as far as my mental state and you know my focus my work habits people that have not been around me uh, they're not in my life i don't have communication with them or not in the locker room i mean that's that's just that's just it's, you know it's it's so ridiculous that, that people give get a platform to do this and it's the same type of people well, people get a platform now. All you need is a uh, social media account. Everybody's got a platform now. Yeah, I don't know what specifically was getting under Aaron Rodgers' skin there. No, I don't know. It could have been somebody uh, somebody doing NFL well, it shows. It seems like yeah, it's one know. thing after another. It's just play ball. You know what I mean? That's, you're there to play ball. Yeah. The other stuff is just a bunch of blah, blah, blah. All plays into uh, his long because I got to think people have been saying stuff about he's an NFL quarterback. People have been saying stuff about him along these lines his whole career. I mean, early in his career, he's caught up in the whole Favre saga, not through any of his making. He got drafted and Favre was there, so now you're in the middle of it. But it's got to be worse now because he's near the end, and when's he going to leave? And, and he's I think really deep good, down, and so he can say whatever he wants. He doesn't really want to. Uh, how, who are you surprised that has let his hair grow? Aaron Rodgers or Kyle Whittingham? Kyle Whittingham. Really? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is for a uh, Halloween costume. Somebody asked him about it. He did one of the uh, shows. The ex-player. Well, what's it for Kyle, then? I don't know. I haven't asked Kyle. You should. Okay. I'll get on that. <laughs> hey, Kyle, why are you growing your hair out? Because I want to. Okay. <laughs> Tired of messing around getting a cut. Wife says it looks good. I'm doing it fine. Yeah, whatever. Oh, sexy, man. Not just good. <laughs> it's rekindling. I've seen some pictures of him. You're sure there was a dekindling? What do you mean? Well, if there's a rekindling, it kindled out. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to ask Kendall Thompson. 
Plenty of quarterback news. We discussed some of this earlier. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa is out for the Dolphins game against the Raiders. Jacoby Brissett will start. We just had Lincoln Kennedy on. He says it's all about the Miami defense. So gear up for that. Bears are going to start quarterback Justin Fields this week. Andy Dalton out with a left knee injury. Nick Foles will be Fields' backup. There's your NFL quarterback news as you set your fantasy football rosters. Before tonight's game between the Panthers and the Texans, Sam Darnold and the Panthers trying to get to 3-0. and By beating the lowly Texans. Who did beat Jacksonville? They're one and one themselves. College football kicked the can down the road. The playoff board of managers, the invitational board of managers, will not vote on a proposed 12-team format next week, further delaying major changes. That's nah, 2025. Got it. We're going to have a presidential election before we have a 12-team uh, have a, have a playoff. Thank goodness we're going to have a presidential, presidential election. election. My goodness. He's all happy now. Are you happy now? More money for Channel 2. Elections. The media benefits. Joe Lacobe was fined $50,000 for violating the NBA's anti-tampering rule. And he did it by saying that the Warriors really weren't interested in Ben Simmons. Usually when you tamper, it's because you are interested in somebody. No, we're not interested in that guy. You're fined. Fifty grand, he's selling million dollars. Well, it's about free speech, man. <laughs> not, in the, not in the NBA. <laughs> the Constitution. The commissioner will tell you when you can talk and who you can talk about, and what you can say. Basically, yeah. can you imagine if uh, one line of speech is completely acceptable, but if there are some others, oh my goodness. Ben Simmons not wanted by the Warriors. Why would they want him? Yeah, I don't know. And and by confirming that they don't want him, it cost him fifty grand. Well, when I heard what he said, and I heard that yesterday, I thought, okay. Yeah. But what value does this player bring to you? Well, and the point he also made is the fact that we already have a guy who doesn't shoot all that often. Yeah, green. On green. Yeah. I I don't and, – and, and he was saying, too, that this player, Simmons, is way more expensive. I mean, $33 oh, yeah. million. million dollars. And it's going up. For what? He's been making. I think it's is it forty <laughs> at the end of his current deal. I think it's, it's finally My somewhere in the forty. Goodness, million range. they pay these guys just so much freaking money for what? What Ben Simmons to win championships? They, Except most of them don't win championships. I mean, I could see Embiid to an extent. My only problem with him is there's no durability, but he's a great, great player. There's no question about that. Uh, but Simmons. In the league now, where shooting is such a pr- priority, and he doesn't want to do shoot it? free throws. Don't want to shoot free throws. Let alone threes. Shocking. Well, he literally doesn't shoot threes. Nope. Not doing it. It's, it's amazing that some of these in like John Wall making forty million dollars. I'm all for everybody getting their money, but man, from an ownership level, spend it a little more prudently, wouldn't you? Boxed in. You got to have hope. If you don't have max guys, you don't have hope. So you pay for the hope. And then the guy's hurt, or the guy doesn't shoot, or whatever the other flaws are. But nobody yeah, okay, but there's out. players out there that you can pay. You, you could pay Mitchell all that. He's going to be paid all that. Right. He's a difference maker. 
Embiid's a difference maker. I'm not sure that Simmons or John Wall, these guys are difference makers. Is your team going to be that much better or worse with or without them? It'd be interesting to see if Simmons really does fall through and doesn't show up. We'll never have an alternate universe where we can say, okay, this would have been the record with Simmons. This will be the, we'll know what the record without Simmons would be if he doesn't play. I'm wondering how much worse would it actually be. Everybody wonders that, and that's why the analytics guys have come up with the wind share stuff, trying to figure that out. This guy's going to be worth five wins, or this guy's going to be worth eight, or this guy's going to be worth two. And that's that's not an actual black and white fact. I mean, I get all that stuff, uh, but I would think that, and I don't follow the Sixers that close to the level, I follow nobody that close to the level we follow the Jazz, but I'm just wondering, you know, could you get a player, not necessarily the specific skill set, but the caliber of contribution that a Royce O'Neal makes? Which, you know, the, the difference in the money is, not that Russ O'Neill is not poor by any stretch, but the difference in the money is but the drastic. But the 10 to $15 million player yeah. can have an impact, and even at $33 million, is Simmons having that big an impact? I would like to find out. I, I have a hard time thinking he's just going to sit out and just, yeah. I'm Walk gonna, away from the money? It seems <laughs> unlikely. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's hard. You can say whatever you want now, because it's not hitting the fan. We still basically have another month, really, when you think about it there. Well, we met and we talked, so I'm here. I always knew I'd be here because I wanted the money. And yeah, who wouldn't want the money? I mean, and plus you're playing be ball. A long you're, line you're a of people. ball player, not, you want to play ball. Yeah, not playing while everyone else plays, it sucks. Ask anybody who's injured. You're not contributing. Well, you're not it, really it part of the group it, in the same whatever. way. If you're a musician, you, you want to play. Be, That's why these the Rolling Stones are going to go out. What else are you going to do? And they're in their upper yeah. 70s, right? This is what they do. This is what they love doing. So it doesn't matter ball playing or what have you. Well, you, if anything, you, you it puts more urgency do. on this because you're not going to be playing ball at 70 like the Stones. There, there's a finite time period for how long you get to do this. If you get to do it in the mid-30s, you've really beaten, I mean, you've beaten the odds by making the NBA. But if you're still in the NBA in the mid-30s, you've really beaten the odds. Yeah, I'm not going to... And f- nobody walks away from 30. I'm not going to sweat it day-to-day because I think in a final analysis, I agree with you. But it'll be interesting to see if he actually did sit out on the sidelines and the season has started and you're playing games. got 145 million dollars coming over the next four years i would take that money <laughs> to quote brent musburger jackpot baby uh, i would take that vegas money. jackpot i'd take that money even if they sat me on a bench which they won't do i mean doc rivers has been up front so we want the guy we need the guy so whenever he comes back well they were the one seed in the east and as much as we laugh about the process we've also talked many times about how learning to win in the postseason is definitely a process very few teams just sprint right through that there's usually a lot of suffering before there's winning so they were the one seed they got beat give it another shot the bucks were the three seed well they'd been the one seed a couple times oh, yeah, they're not gonna be beat. a bad team by any stretch he's a decent player there's yeah. no doubt about it All right, DJ and PK, the other big topic has been, now that you've seen three games, we're a quarter of the way through college football's regular season. What do you think the Utes and the Cougars and the Aggies are going to finish up at at the end of 12 games? Got a lot of replies to that, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. 
The writing's on the dang wall. BYU is the best team to ever play college football in the state of Utah. It's undefeated, baby. Pundits are already saying Rose Bowl and playoff. Not sorry, Utes and Aggie fans, and we're going to get payback on Bronco. We need payback on Bronco? Join Hans and Scotty at University Federal Credit Union at the Ranches Branch on Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. 3535 Ranches Parkway in Eagle Mountain. Payback on Bronco. I don't think we need payback on Bronco. Uh, what happened that you would need payback on Bronco? I don't know. Yeah. You won 99 games. What did you have to be sorry yeah, And for? if it would have got another five minutes, he would have won 100. Good point. <laughs> Where was the fifth quarter when you really needed? They didn't need a whole quarter, but they still needed some of the fifth they quarter. They just needed sudden death overtime. That's just. A, I think in order, to, you know, to shorten all games, let's just have nothing but two point conversion plays, and then total them up. <laughs> I can't believe this is the format they've gone to. Just have nothing but two point conversions. At that point, call it a tie. We can't have ties. But if you're going to do that. We need a winner or a loser. If you're going to do that, two-point conversions. I'm with you. If you're going to resort to two-point conversion (laughs) plays, no thank you. Yeah. Where did we decide that was the way to go? I mean, I and I knew it was coming. And that was the first time, obviously, I've seen it. But these guys are playing their hearts out. And that's the way you're going to decide it? One play. One play on each side. Go. At least in soccer, you got five chances. You know what I mean? And the drama builds like crazy. In a sport that doesn't have a whole lot of drama, you get to that point, and there's all sorts of drama. It's dripping with drama. It really is. Every kick is just huge, man. And the emotions of the players involved on the kick, and then when it's finally over, the despondence or the euphoria. Who did we see that? Who was it? uh, Canada and who was it in the, in the women's thing in the Olympics? Who, was it Norway? Who'd they lose to? I don't remember. You know which one I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. Was Belgium or somebody? Yeah. It was just awesome. The drama. Was, <laughs> it really was, man. And to see to see the celebration and 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 the, just the, the darkest times ever in your life in the moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and here we go. A two-point conversion. I just seemed jacked up. Compared to the regular overtime in college football, it's a massive difference. I thought. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Yak, why are you biting your lip and shaking your head? Don't worry about it. <laughs> he says, don't worry about it. It relates uh, to tomorrow's show. But. Oh, Hans and Scotty are coming up next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.